0: Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. (laughs) Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the 2014 suburban horror thriller, It Follows. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight?
1: I'm feeling quite good. Uh, Glad to not be dating.
0: (laughs) This is a good movie to not be dating during. Next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified vampire aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily?
2: i'm doing great and wishing i had my kindle on a shell right
1: (sighs) and so So is is that the precursor or the descendant to the three seashells from demolition man (laughs) i don't want it
0: we may never know Uh, (laughs) and our special guest tonight the author of the comic series safe sex and the host of the wire people into that podcast it's tina horn tina how are you tonight
3: I'm good. Now I'm trying to think of a joke about Demolition Man and Dostoevsky, but I'll, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, while you're thinking on that one, and before we jump into the movie, I understand that you have a Kickstarter coming up right now. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, I'm so happy to. I'm so happy to be here with my fellow <laughs> Cenobites. Uh, I was just <laughs> listening to your episode about the Cenobite movie. That's what it's called, right? Um, yeah i'm pretty sure (laughs) working title
1: (laughs) yeah totally Uh, (laughs) it's like cats but man how great would just like pinhead be in a big like old school wb old hollywood big musical production yeah
3: maybe maybe they should do like Cenobites on broad on the great white way when they (laughs) when they open up great white way again okay so uh i'm tina horn and i'm the creator and writer of a comic called safe sex which uh for seo reasons we usually sort of stylize as sfsx um which is a good way to search for it if you're searching for it, which i hope you do and uh there we've been doing it since um well i've been been doing it since 2017 but the um first seven issues in that first volume um came out in 2019 2020 that's called so that first volume is called safe sex protection and you can get that now wherever fine comics are sold and we are doing the follow-up right now some of the same art team is returning but also a bit of a new art team, including G. Romero Johnson and Kelly Fitzpatrick, which I'm really excited about. And it's called Safe Sex Terms of Service. And it is a lot, it has all the things that safe sex fans have come to love and that I think fans of this podcast will probably love. A lot of queer body horror and also queer, Pleasure, <laughs> pain, and <laughs> pleasure together. Um, and um, and we're doing a Kickstarter, which is launching on March fifteenth, twenty twenty one. If you're, whenever you're listening to this, so if it if you're listening to this between March fifteenth and April fifteenth of twenty twenty one, then you should uh, search for T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N on Kickstarter or search for S F S X. Uh, and you can pre-order the book and you can get the previous issues signed by me and uh, G. Romero Johnson the main illustrator of the book made these totally not safe for work risographs that I feel like everybody on this podcast will totally want and uh, and you can we're like offering cameo like you can get drawn into the like dystopian sex club, the Dirty Mind. Um, and you know we're just we're offering like some swag, some experiences but mostly just that classic comics Kickstarter thing where you can support the book by pre-ordering it through Kickstarter. So um, I hope that everyone will go check it out and also if you want to find out more about the comic or about my work um, and definitely get updates on the Kickstarter, you can follow me. On twitter and instagram at tina horns s that's T I N A, H O R N S A S S. so alternately tina horn sass and that's 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 my pitch and now we should I, talk about uh i am going to be entities. throwing
1: i'm going to be throwing so much money at this campaign <laughs> Uh, Like I was saying, Safe Sex is one of my absolute favorite comics. The first volume was so good. If you are a listener of this podcast, this was a queer horror like I'd never seen before. Uh, If you are a listener of this podcast, you are going to absolutely love the first volume. I'm so, so excited for the second, and I'm so excited for this Kickstarter.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And like I was saying before we started recording, hearing that from comics creators and fans and readers and also folks who, you know, make content like this podcast where you dig really deep into like, like thinking and feeling really deeply about both progressive politics and representation and just the the fun of horror. I, I hearing that from you guys really means a lot to me. So I'm I'm happy to I don't know let people know about it while also just getting a chance to chat with you guys about a weird fucked up movie.
0: Yeah, and we're we're yeah. so excited to have you here, and we'll be sure to have all those links in the show notes so people can just follow through to the Kickstarter and also follow you online. And we'll also at the end we do a quick sort of like where can people find you online bit there too. So. Cool. If you're listening to this in the car and you don't want to stop and write all that down it's pull down. over now a little bit about the movie we're watching tonight uh it is it follows it is written and directed by david robert mitchell who also directed under the silver lake uh it stars Maika monroe Kier gilchrist uh olivia lucardi and a, a bunch of other young teen and 20-something actors um all of which were, were really great in this i think um the sort of breakdown of it is uh it is about a a young woman who's followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter this is according to imdb um that is a very vague explanation of what it is uh but also very accurate yes yeah um and as for scare level would you guys say that this is spoopy as a not scary spooky isn't a little scary terrifying isn't very scary or just generally existentially disconcerting
2: i'm gonna go with terrifying slash
1: existentially disconcerting i'd second Uh, that i'm gonna go with scary i kind of find it not existentially terrifying for reasons that tie into the lack of queer representation in this movie Hmm.
0: the sex is part of the horror but it is decidedly straight which i'm sure we'll get into (laughs)
1: well it's just the whole concept of hey guys i came up with this totally out there sci-fi unrealistic not something that could happen in real life concept what if sex could kill
0: (laughs) 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 Hey, I guys. mean I think
2: that, that there is a um a subtext to the text here. It's not very deep, but we'll penetrate further. <laughs>
1: it, reminded me, it reminds me of the Chernobyl stories where it's like, what if there was actually a monster in Chernobyl? It's like, hey, what if the real thing is actually way, way more terrifying?
0: <laughs> what if sex could have negative and lasting consequences? Oh no. As a straight guy, that terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> uh speaking of all this what what trigger warnings would we give people on this one
1: uh did not like the chloroform surprise Mm.
0: yes gaslighting and abduction together um sexual assault
2: um body horror uh you know body horror that is directly related to sexual assault there's some pretty disconcerting imagery
1: yeah, yes, disturbing ancestor.
0: nudity in, in a way that i don't think we've seen before
1: nudity as horror in a way i know like the shining used but i don't think that we've really seen on any of the movies we've covered yet
0: yeah i think that about covers it so this will be the end of the non-spoilery section if you haven't seen the movie and you want to see it before we spoil everything for you uh now is the time to do it but otherwise here we go uh guys any kind of opening thoughts on this one Uh, so
1: right off the bat on this opening scene, this first girl, the way she's running in these high heels, (laughs) what a champion. Dude,
3: I'm so glad that that's what you said. I'm so glad that that's what you said, because
1: I'm sure that there are a lot of
3: the people, you know, people who are like, why is she, there's like literally no reason for her to be wearing those fuck me stilettos. And... That actress was definitely cast for her ability to run in stilettos. Like one warrior. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah on grass. It was like, oh, they're like, is Tom Brady the greatest living athlete? <laughs> no, this woman exists. It's <laughs> the
3: cold open
1: girl <laughs> from <laughs>
3: it follows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love her outfit partially because I think that younger me like less sophisticated feminist taker, me would have been like, there's no, po- she should, why is she wearing those? And now I'm like, put red stilettos on everybody. It's the <laughs> movies.
0: Yeah, this, the, the stilettos in this, less made me go, she shouldn't have those. And more like, no, there's a story here, why?
2: Absolutely. Why did
0: she have you know stilettos and no pants on in her home right now? Like
2: she's a slut. There's a lot of uh, the cinematography based on perceiving the
3: background. Yeah. You know, perceiving the characters at a distance, or like the you know, depth of field is not what you would expect, and it gives you that like unsettled feeling. Yeah.
1: Anytime you see the creature coming in from the background, and the main characters haven't seen it, Oof. and you yeah. see it from,
0: oh so effective in this movie. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And you know, and you get to this point where every
2: single person in the background you're wondering about just like the characters are. In this first scene especially there's an interesting effect where there's a lot of people interacting with the character but the camera is focused on her so you hear these voices or you see people that are just off a screen and it is it is disconcerting. It is, you know, it, it t- puts you off your guard because you're not sure what you're to fo- you're supposed to focus on.
0: What I really appreciated in this first scene was this woman putting her groceries or taking them out of her car. And then she's like, Hey, are you okay? Like, you're running <laughs> around in the street. <laughs> and like, she
3: says, Yeah, really I'm fine. It's like, All right.
0: Yeah. So <sighs> so often, especially in these suburban horror movies, they're like, Oh, it's the suburbs. Nobody cares about each other. Like I, I appreciate that this one woman at least is like, Hey you appear to be running around the streets frightened and in stilettos and underwear. Is there something I can help you with? Yeah. So Annie is running apparently from nothing. Uh, she's just like freaking out in the middle of the, the street. Uh, she runs back into her house and gets some stuff, jumps in her car and drives out to the middle of nowhere, uh, where she promptly goes to sit on uh, a beach of what I'm assuming is a lake because we slowly discovered that this is all sort of set around, uh, Detroit So I'm assuming this is not the ocean, but a lake. Yeah, she's just uh, sitting in her her car light on a cell phone calling her dad to tell him that she loves him, uh, which is, you know, a clear, any, anytime somebody says they love somebody in a horror movie, it's a clear sign that they're going to die.
1: That's not a good phone call. That's not a call you ever want to get. We have absolutely no context. She's clearly
0: watching for something. Something's Yes, and
1: I think it's where the camera, like the fact that we're kind of in the creature's POV in this opening shot is so effective because Mm. we know that something truly is following her because we ourselves are following her and we can Mm. almost see her reaction to us and the fact that nobody else can see what's going on. It's a very scary scenario But it also does a pretty good job at kind of right out of the gate establishing a lot of the rules that the movie relies on. This movie is
3: almost, is like coming up on being 10 years old. And I had actually never seen it. And like, it's definitely right up my alley. It's like sexual, social allegory, brutal, horror, haunting movie, sort of indie, people like it you would have thought that I would have seen this movie like five times by now. And like, I think I hadn't ever gotten around to it cause I kind of thought I got it already from the premise. And and then the other day I just decided like, what the hell I'm going to watch it. And from this cold open, I realized what a, what a mistake I had made. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, that this movie is not perfect. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, but I did really end up enjoying it. And I think that like, like from this scene, and I had never heard anybody talk about that scene. And especially what the, the like specific, very like Hannibal, the TV show fate that um, awaits this. What is her name? Annie, this girl. Yeah, Annie, yes. Um, uh yeah, like right from this moment, I was like, oh, th- there's the experience of watching this movie is more than just like the Wikipedia summary of it. And I uh, I think that's really to its credit. And I ended there- up like, enjo- it gave me that feeling that I want from this kind of horror movie of like feeling the tension and feeling really creeped out. And actually like, even though I kind of knew what was gonna happen more or less like I didn't know what was going to happen from like moment to moment and find like found myself being like oh like who is that is that the thing that's following her or like oh shit they didn't see it that's the Mm -hmm. thing you know like I kind of had that like fun that fun almost like participatory experience that this movie uh creates I think it's like a testament to what you can do when you have like a solid elevator pitch high concept premise but you also understand how to use the medium to tell that story and absolutely it's Uh, a really
1: well directed film like the director did a great job i think and one thing i think this movie pulls off really well is it pulls off like jump scare like where the gasps and scares without ever actually relying on a jump scare
0: Yeah, this movie knows how to fuck with depth of field. Like, Mm. it's it's almost all shot through that fisheye lens. And, like, all the time you can see so much stuff going on around them. And it's all so clear that, like, every time somebody starts walking in what seems like a straight line, you're like, oh, no. That's (laughs) that's the thing. Here it comes.
1: It's a great curse concept Mm. that makes the characters so stressed. But... I do feel like it's a curse that could be defeated or at least managed by a well organized polycule. Oh, Paul,
3: man,
0: <laughs>
1: you,
3: you're, you're stealing my bits. <laughs> <I> <laughs> should, mean... we, should we get in the, into the polycule? maybe maybe later when we get into like uh, you know what what actually starts happening to characters because I I've done some I've done some graphing
2: the music is really cool by the way in this movie there's the music is by Disasterpiece which is also known for their work doing um video games they do a soundtrack for Hyperlight Drifter which is something that I
3: personally go to sleep to a lot
2: um (laughs) even though it's
0: a big fan of Fez which they did the music for as well
3: oh yes this is is on my like hard soundtracks to write to playlist Um, this is a fantastic playlist or
2: fantastic soundtrack and um yeah and uh that the music adds to the uh the the tension a lot because you have a lot of very very regular things happening with very very scary music and uh you know that happens in a lot of horror movies that and the cinematography in this movie makes for a fantastic mashup but yeah when i found out that this movie was the ring but with fucking
0: the cockering emily the The cockering oh Oh, wow
1: (laughs) if if brett ratner had directed this movie (laughs) Um.
0: sentence i never want to hear finished
1: you're yeah, right. I
2: don't think any of the dudes here. I mean, maybe Greg. Would. I'm terrified
1: of the uni- I'm terrified yeah, of the membrane of the multiverse that I just breathed into existence.
2: <laughs> ben, your powers, your creative powers are out of control.
0: Damn you,
1: Franklin Richards. <laughs>
0: okay so let's let's get a little more into what actually happens here because uh there's not much more of annie she is uh we see her you know sitting on the beach at the at night and then it's morning and her body is horribly mangled and twisted up uh and left murdered on the beach we don't see it happen and we don't know how it happened um but now we move to jay in suburbia uh where she is getting ready to go out with a guy and we get a little uh picture of, of what jay's life is like with uh, all of her her various friends and her sister kelly as well as uh paul and yara are the other two friends in their little quartet here
2: and um, there, yep. jay we see that jay finds kind of a respite in nature um that's some of the really the, the theme throughout this movie is that she kind of as she detaches she, every time she grounds it's like with some very very beautiful uh shots of natural you know grass weeds trees things like that um and she's also watched by little boys in the neighborhood um in gross intrusive ways uh which at first seems you know innocent and she's like oh i see you you know in this very first scene um and uh that also is a, a pattern um and this house i have to say about something about this setting because when i was first watching this movie again no idea what was going on other than they're in a house from 1981 with cars from 1981 watching stacked crt tvs with bunny ears on them in their house with a corded phone but yarrow is reading the idiot on a kindle shaped like a shell compact
1: The shell phone. I have questions about. She's like, I can't tell if it's scroll up or there's just a lot of papers like stored in this seashell, and she's just physically scrolling through. No, that's impossible. I don't know how that would work. It's a magical seashell reader. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's
0: it's been pointed out by several folks. I guess that they they intentionally tried to make like the time ambiguous to where it could be set whenever. But also that first scene, she has a cell phone and there are very modern cars in that yeah. setting.
1: Yeah. And you do that by having a mashup of technologies from different eras, not technologies that have never existed in any <laughs> yeah. era. Because I'm like- I've also, I've also read the
3: director talking about how, and I, I think that this is effective and, it, and it's true, that it, it creates a sense that you're in a nightmare right like yeah. it, it, it contributes to the disorientation and makes this like almost like surrealist or absurdist scenario and and i think and i think i think the fact that there's just that one invention and it comes up several times and it's also the place where they're doing that classic movie thing where someone's reading a book that just happens to have a lot of like themes that are resonant with the themes of what is about to befall the characters uh I I actually I that's
1: that That is a trope I am always down for like in universe books that relate to the like the themes of the story yeah yeah. all all day with that
3: especially when we can have it like happening not like a teacher that no one is listening to is like teaching Every, like I don't know, like the one that's coming to mind is like in Easy A, they're like reading
1: Scarlet Letter, it's like okay, or like in Hereditary. Okay, well, that one seems that one seems a little on the nose since Easy A is literally an adaptation of Scarlet Letter. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. I mean, I in, in this one is. It's, in- in this one, the teacher's reading Alfred, the Love Song of Alfred J. Prufrock, which is yeah, sort of a like inevitability of death and aging story,
1: which I definitely think is. Uh, is one of the themes so that scene also introduces us to uh paul how are we feeling about paul y'all
2: he's i mean he and i think he and greg together like each of them has half a chip and when you put them together they create a full chip like there are some evenly dispersed chip qualities in both of them you know for greg's credit he's a total snack and for paul's credit he's not a total chip i mean he's he's that he's close
0: like he listens he believes he yeah doesn't he doesn't try to explain away everything that's wrong he does volunteer to come like look out and help out and like sits downstairs on the couch um Yeah. And clearly, like, it's like they have some mixed history, which they talk about in a few of the scenes of, like, you know, it being sort of a romantic thing and then sort of a not romantic thing. Apparently, he kissed both of the sisters at some point during their uh, friendship. um, And that didn't go well, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. He's like, Paul seems like a real, not like a real guy that's maybe not great. But it's just like really trying to figure shit out.
1: Paul has a little too many nice guy qualities, and especially in the first two acts, is too prone to being, hmm, how can I make this about me and my feelings?
3: Yeah, I think that Paul really wants everyone to know that he's a nice guy. And you're right that there are moments when he is a nice guy, but also, he wants to make sure that everyone knows that yeah. he is. He is. Yeah.
1: You can. The camera lingers on his face too many times. with That look of like, oh, I'll make the heroic sacrifice of having sex with you.
2: Yeah. I mean, he might as well just be carrying a torch the whole movie because he's just so so like uh, uh, wistful. I'm I'm pointing down, but. <laughs> I know this is an audio medium but <laughs> I mean, gesture to indicate that Paul just really
1: wants to get laid even if it kills it's him. Up
0: in there right Yes yeah, so first we
1: have yeah first we have uh, Jay's date with Hugh
0: Here's an uncomplicated guy
1: Also they go on this date a,
2: a theater where the uh, the pre-show is somebody playing an
3: organ. The is, is thing that people still do, but in a like, we used to do this, and like at the Castro Theater in San Francisco, right? We'll still have the guy uh, with the organ like
1: rise up from uh, beneath the stage. It that, is dope if we ever get to go like.
3: to movie theaters again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, I I that felt like something that worked well to establish that ambiguous time period and what is the and the movie they're seeing is charade right
3: the hitchcock movie
0: yeah they're playing a game when they're in line that uh apparently she has played a lot called the trade game where you look around and you find somebody you'd want to trade places with and the other person has to guess who it is that you chose and uh you have an expository uh discussion about why that'll tell us more about your character um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, I don't know it's its a fun bit he chooses a, a little boy
1: he guesses what she picks and yeah, he picks.
0: guesses that it's the girl in the yellow dress and there is no girl in the yellow dress and, dun, uh, dun 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 <laughs> he's like hey let's get out of here let's, uh, let's go do something else which uh, as hurried as he sort of is here he's surprisingly unhurried for what we later discover like this thing does I'd be like all right, I'm leaving. Bye. Meet you at the car. They finish their date by going out to a restaurant, and then she, you know, goes back home. And they, uh, she, we flash to her taking a, a walk. Is it her sister that she's walking with in the next scene? Yeah. And just
2: with Kelly talking
0: about uh, the date and how weird it was. It, it seems like there, there's a lot of talk about the sort of will they, won't they, of of whether she wants to have sex with Hugh, and uh, whether whether Hugh is acting weird because. He wants to have sex with her and they have not yet had sex.
3: One thing I appreciate about that moment is that later she very casually when a lot of other stuff is going on mentions having had sex before. So I like that it's not a classic slasher movie thing of like this early moment being like is she going to have sex for the first time with this guy? It's like are they going to have sex with each other for the first time but it's not like
1: am I gonna, am I gonna lose my virginity? Even though virginity is certainly like a theme. Uh, In, I mean, barely any defense to Hugh because Hugh kind of, Hugh is not great or has any real redeeming qualities. But I guess since we just watched Scream, I guess if I'm comparing uh, boyfriends pressuring their partners into sex, I guess he has a more valid reason than Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, (laughs) I suppose. Which isn't be- better than the main villain of Scream isn't a great part of Get Hop Get Over, but he better barely-
0: boyfriend than the one that's actively trying to kill you.
1: He yeah. barely hops over it.
0: <laughs> um, we do jump forward very quickly to their next date, uh, and they do have sexy times in the car. And she is lying in the car, wistfully talking about uh, life and uh, reminiscing when he grabs something out of the trunk uh, and then proceeds to put a rag over her face and knock her out. Um, Did not mean, like that. Yeah, not a fan of this scene, uh, nor her, not that nor her coming to month. in a wheelchair.
1: This is the most, I guess, just r- existential in that like just real life scary, like not horror movie scary, real life. Hor- horrors of real life which it kind of makes it to me though like in its own way one of the scariest parts of the whole film.
2: yeah but- the the theme uh, of the sexual assault imagery um, is really upsetting. Um, effectively used and effective in the context but um, you know very upsetting. There's also a really interesting effect here in the scene where uh, the camera for for shots of her, the camera is attached to her wheelchair. So whatever, when she shakes, the camera shakes. When she moves, the camera moves with her. It, it hits, you know, it rocks with her. And, you know, you get a very, very uncomfortable, intimate view of her in that wheelchair, you know, without having it being literally her perspective, but also being one with her perspective as she is,
3: she is forced to be stationary. And- later she the 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 movies very very specifically has her tell the cops that the sex was consensual but this brings up one of my favorite topics which is a little dark but has been on my mind a lot lately and i think is very relevant to this movie of like supernatural consent ethics so like not to get too into it but like you know i watched the movie palm springs which has like a time loop theme and also some themes of like what does it mean to not disclose everything that might be relevant to your choice to have sex with someone in a supernatural scenario and then i re-watched groundhog's day and realized actually how rapey the yeah. romantic premise of Groundhog
1: Day is the movie still has its charms. Well, Gra- Groundhog like- Day: One man's heroic quest to better himself so he can properly sexually harass his junior coworker. <laughs>
3: oh. More or less, yes. And uh, and and then, you know, and so, and it got me thinking about like, like basically, if you are in a sort cer- if you're in a story and you're in a, or you have a character in a story who's in, a, who has a supernatural circumstance that. To the best of our knowledge, like couldn't happen IRL. Then, th- like if a character does not disclose important information to someone before that person has sex with them, that would certainly influence their decision about whether or not to consent to sex with them. Then it's basically the same as stealthing, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which is a form of rape. So, uh, I mean, it's rape. Yes. <laughs> so, like, like even though in the moment she wanted to have sex with him it's a little unclear like how much she enjoyed the sex with him it definitely seemed like he came and then the sex was over but like maybe we can put that aside but like the fact that he deliberately didn't tell her like he didn't just like neglect or like forget to tell her like oh yeah i have this curse he was with malice intentionally sleeping with her in order to pass this along to her and so absolutely
1: that is supernatural assault kind of talked about these themes in ready mm-hmm. or not like him marrying her uh some are leaving without telling her about you know the whole possibility of being hunted and murdered as <laughs> a consequence of getting married yeah you would like to know
2: yeah that this is a that's a really good point especially considering what happens later in the movie when they when they track down hugh or jiff i would fully agree that was rape and that was i mean this is up to that point sure she may have been on board with the with the relationship and where it was going but that's the thing is that it what happens after that does change the nature just like this film and this narrative does change the nature and the context you know and that that's a really important thing to remember about sex we also see in general
1: you know, Jay is able to consensually pass on the curse. So there's, I feel like with you, there's the element of like this is a trauma that was done to him that he then yeah. inflicted on someone else. But at the same time, the the movie shows us that cycle being broken. So at the same time, he kind of has no excuse for not breaking that cycle earlier. Yeah, I mean, just
3: because you are perpetuating a cycle of abuse and that might help us to have empathy or sympathy for you and that that might be an interesting theme of the movie doesn't mean that you are off the hook for your transgression.
0: Yeah, this this scene is pretty important where she she wakes up tied to the wheelchair and uh, Hugh explains to her uh, the rules of this thing, that he has a curse... There's this thing that follows him and it's gonna follow her now until she's dead. And then it'll come on back for him if she gets killed. Um, It could look like anyone. Sometimes it'll look like somebody you know. He thinks it does it just to hurt you, Um, but it could look like anyone at all. And it will follow you uh, wherever you go um, until it kills you. So you can't let it touch you. The thing about it is there's only one of it and it walks. Also, we Um, see that thing here now because it walks, it is walking towards them. It comes into this structure that they're in. I thought it was a parking deck.
3: It's it's a it's a building in Detroit. It's like I think it's in a um an abandoned like auto uh factory. It's it's like a uh it's a known brutalist building in Detroit, Mm. Michigan. (laughs) One Mm. of the many, quote unquote, maybe. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah.
2: They just they just chose a key one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's very creepy. So, we find since this we're so much since later, we're, but
0: it is the thing looks oh like yeah. Jeff's mom in this scene or Hugh's mom. Yes,
3: And I naked. love I, I love yeah, and naked.
1: So so at this point, this Wait, is like maybe you just have crazy like naked ladies hanging up by your trains? <laughs> <laughs> that must be a New York I, thing, I guess. So so
3: this this is maybe where I will begin to talk about my theory about this movie. I think it's about a lot of different things and we've touched on some of them already cycles of abuse inevitability of death certainly the like sort of infamous log line of this movie is like it's an allegory for STIs uh, you know or just like the consequences of sex in a way that I think put a bad taste in some people's mouths so to speak. Yeah. Uh, about uh, about it being like uh, like moralizing um or being you know being like sex is bad sex will kill you i think the movie's subtler than that and one way that i think it's subtler is that this is the first of many instances in which the entity appears to the person as their parent unless i'm mistaken that most of the time the entity is appearing as the parent of the opposite sex if you will Um, which just puts more emphasis on the heteronormativity of this movie or maybe this is this like the most heteronormative ghost of all time or like does this like ghost entity curse just have a really fun, sick sense of humor about heteronormativity and wants to like critique it in the way that it carries out the curse? Anyway, discuss. But I think that like, of course, when you're watching the movie, there's no way that you would ever know at this point that this naked woman is Hugh jeff's mom there's plenty of reasons for him to be freaked out when he sees it and maybe at this point he also i mean he's literally just explained to us that sometimes it appears to you in as the in the form of someone that you know just to fuck with you and the idea that it would appear to him in this moment as his mom because another thing that he that, that we that we learn is that the person who the at least the last person to pass on the curse can also still see the entity so in mm-hmm. this moment they're both seeing it presumably they're seeing the same thing and so she, like the entity is appearing in the form of his mom kind of like as a guilt trip as like I see what you're doing I mm-hmm. see that you fucked your sweet girlfriend that you like stealth entity raped and chloroformed and tied up and are like psychologically torturing your sweet girlfriend so i'm gonna appear as your mom and of course like the parents being naked just adds to the like psychological terror of you know i mean i think that most people would be upset not only seeing their parent as an evil entity out to kill them or their sweet girlfriend. Uh, But also, just being naked is, like, for a lot of people, extra, like, sexually upsetting.
1: Yeah. This movie loves going for, like, the incest right at the moment of the kill. Like, it's got all sorts of different guises, but it always goes for incest, like, right at the end.
3: I mean, if we're gonna give the entity some credit for having a sick, cruel, demonic sense of humor like appearing in this moment or and in as, as ben was alluding to like in like later moments uh like as like you know the the naked parent it it, it you kind of got it it knows what it's doing it knows how to fuck with people so, and it yeah. fucks with us too as so the in parents. terms of
1: the, how this movie feels about sex, this was something that our writer-director, uh, Mitchell, actually had something to say. Uh, and I quote from the Wikipedia article, he said that while Jamie opens herself up to danger through sex, the only way in which she can free herself from that danger is also through sex. Like, But love and sex are two ways in which we at least temporarily push death away. Mm. So in terms of what this movie's themes towards sex are, in Simpsons quotes, I'm pretty sure it's to alcohol, the cause and solution to all of life's problems.
2: I mean, there's a lot of valid validity to uh, that sort of discussion, especially how a lot we've been. Not just analyzing, but understanding sexual feelings over the years, not only in ourselves, but as a society. We've brought up the heter- heteronormativity of this movie a lot, and I've thought about that. Um, I feel like there's a lot more, it's while it, to have a discussion about sex and not have a discussion about all kinds of sex is reductive definitively you know like that's that's super reductive however would this movie demonize other forms of sex if it was not just this you know the the heteronormative sex do you think it would be that the message would get convoluted or do you think that it um, would help the ret-
1: reductivity of that discussion. I think it would have to depend on how the movie treated it. Like, I think there could be a version of this that does have, like, that is more queer without really changing too much. I think it would just have to be one that treated all the different kinds of sex, like, queer, uh, straight, between any different kinds of genders, and just treated everything just, like, equally in terms of sex. If there was enough of it and varied enough of it with all the same outcome i think that could be a way of doing without changing the movie too fundamentally i mean i know that we have a lot of plot to get through but this
3: might be a good moment to just like put out there that i i really just want to know the only sex that we see transmitting the entity is cis head p and the v intercourse so like can the entity be transferred through oral anal mutual masturbation what about sexting you know like like does it have to be like between like cishet sex like like what if it's queer sex the demon from what if it's what if the what if the person's asexual like you know i just and like that like sex to them is like some other activity like you know i really i can't i and i to your to your point like i i kind of i'm always going to err on the side of just like assuming that cishet people are like defaulting to like it's sex like it's transferred through sex so we're showing some sex and this is what sex is but like i yeah i don't know if i would have wanted I can't tell if it's an accident or not, that the
1: movie is like, like,
3: uh, you know, heteronormativity is a
1: trap. I would, like think, I would like to think that if you ate a meal so good, you're like, oh my God, this is giving me a food chasm. Then the curse would then be transferred to the curse who made you that meal that gave you the food chasm <laughs> or to the food. Yes. It's, <laughs> oh my God. Just there's like a demon just beating the shit out of a turkey sandwich. <laughs>
3: I just, you know, there's, there, like, I, I know... And dry-humping it. As, as, a, as a, when I tweeted about this, as a certain Reply Guys, because Reply Guys got a Reply Guy, uh, said, uh, you know, I think you're overthinking this, which, like, imagine following me and thinking that I'm overthinking sex
1: in a horror movie, but... Um... <laughs> the horror movies exist to be... Uh, this whole podcast exists for us to overthink horror movies? If I had Except-
3: a nickel... If that's not your pleasure, then like, why are we here, sir? But um, but like, I I do think that you know, I mean, thinking about these kinds of things, it, it is fun for me, and trying to game out these different things is, is is fun. But it also does like become relevant to like what like the nature of this monster is, and like it, it if this monster is specifically this monster clearly i don't know how old it is but it is like it understands it's like going back to the incest thing this entity understands like the human taboos and emotion like it that the human taboos that upset people and like has learned how to use that against us
0: i'm just curious how group sex would end up with this You just
1: that's it doesn't exactly know where to, yeah. things
0: just confused it. it doesn't know where to go
1: <laughs> um I was even wondering, does it count if it's protected sex? Like, if you use a condom, does the curse not transfer? Again,
3: going back to what we see like, in the car, it's like, does it Does it only, does it only, get, like,
1: count if, like,
3: you know, if a yeah. dude is, like, nutting in a cunt? Sorry if I'm getting, it. sorry, not sorry if I'm getting a little graphic here, but, like, you know, it's like...
1: It's the like, movie invites these questions! It, it does! It, it,
3: it, it, like, does, like, if if, if... Like if she if she had like actually if he had like like gotten her off, if he had like gone down on her or like gotten her off like before he came, like would the entity be like, You're all right, I'm gonna move on.
0: <laughs> I mean when she's like, passing it on, does she have to come? You know? is it...
3: Yeah. Um yeah, not to not to keep coming back to um like shamelessly shilling for my work, but like one thing that I have learned in writing with with writing safe sex which has queer kinky slutty sex workers as the heroes in an american dystopia like one thing that i've really learned is to sort of apply the like superhero logic of writing to the to my characters like in the sense that you know uh if the avengers are in a fight like you know that everybody's gonna use their the thing that makes them special to like defeat the enemy to get through the conflict right so like hawkeye's gotta use arrows and black widow is gonna use espionage right he's gonna use her her thighs um <laughs> but, uh and so like the thing that ma- so i've done a lot of thinking in the context of writing my comic safe sex uh about like what makes sex workers special what makes queer special what makes slept special like what do we know that our antagonists wouldn't and, like, how can we use, like, essentially, like, how can we use our, like, queer pervert imaginations against our enemies? And so, like, that goes back to this, like, polycule joke of, like, maybe part of the reason that, like, this, this, like, curse continues to perpetuate in the way that it does is that, like, nobody is saying, like, wait a minute, like, how could we, like, how can we like figure like if any of these people you know and it makes sense they're kids they, they yeah. they've never it makes sense within the 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 world that is built here that these kids like wouldn't have that experience and that imagination and like know how to like try to you know we'll get to the climax of how they try to fight it but they're not actually trying to like fight fire with fire and like fight the sex monster with you sex. That's pro- why we need more comprehensive sexual education in American schools. <laughs> you solve this yeah, curse
1: monster. with a... Here's what you do. You get together a seven-person polycule and an ace friend. You trade off so, like, one person gets chased by the creature like one day a week. You have sex every night, like, with someone else. You pass it on. You keep your ace friend around to be like, hey, you see that person? And I'm like, no, I don't see that person. That's definitely the monster. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs>
2: You, you also spread out your commute and your workplace so can't walk and keep up keep
3: up with you yeah uh, you know you get poly people together everybody's got their google Calendar synced so you that's that's like the polyamory superpower is yeah like, yeah listen one day like join our poly polycule one day a week you're going to get chased by this very upsetting entity, but all the other days of the week, you're going to have the hottest sex possible with all these people who are super badass and very organized. <laughs> so yeah. we haven't, we, we haven't even gotten to, to the part where our protagonist is uh, trying to figure it out, but we've solved this entity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Problem solved.
3: Come right. for us. Come for us. We,
0: we didn't even have to get dropped off hog tied in front of our house by this shitty boyfriend.
3: God. Because maybe
0: the most upsetting part of this entire movie. The, yeah, that part oh, yeah. Like yeah. dropping her but off in the street, still still tied up. Is, uh, with her
2: sister on the porch playing Old Maid with Yara and Paul. And they're, you know, just having the most normal of normal times in normal town.
0: Also, um, Old Maid is an yeah. interesting choice for this scene.
3: Mm,
2: this yeah. is literally, mm,
0: I think it's, it's that. literally the only game the the only card game i know where there's no winner but there's just a loser and they lose because oh, they get stuck with the thing
3: oh yeah. shit yeah. and yeah. also like an old maid is someone who you know doesn't presumably like gets old and is going to die without ever having to experience the
2: joys of sex
0: also we will shortly see an old maid in you know a scene mm-hmm.
2: yeah very soon so- here she um jay is unceremoniously dumped out of this guy's t-bird or whatever the fuck it is um his old ass car um in the street in her underwear so this is again
3: big warning on this movie (laughs) but the only realistic or not the only realistic thing but some a a very really very realist moment of this movie is the total incompetence of the police to help this person who has clearly been assaulted yeah and
2: the first question that you hear i mean you see first you see through the the windows of the neighbors who are like wow these people are such a mess um and i believe the neighbors are people of color
0: i thought it was greg and his mom yeah oh it was greg and his mom The the, the
3: cops weirdly i mean i know we'll talk about this eventually but um i'm pretty sure that the only black people in this movie are cops, which is an interesting choice for the hmm. teacher.
2: The teacher's well, oh, that's right. The teacher's black, and then there's a I mean, there's background, but not like a lot of speaking roles, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, the 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 cop, the first question from the cop, the first we see of the cop is him off screen asking her, Was it consensual, yeah, which is like that's a big, big impact to the soul. <laughs> When you hear yeah. that and you're like oof here we go um and they do they do perform a rape kit looks like um and because she she's in the hospital and everything and just sort of uh dissociated um again all very upsetting stuff yeah um but yeah she says it was consensual but you know that yeah we we talked about that yeah yeah, there's yeah. a lot
1: more to unpack. Is
0: consensual-ish. So the drugging and abduction was not consensual.
1: Yeah, yeah like what's that it's like, all right, I guess we'll just have to bust them for the chloroform and kidnapping. Yeah, <laughs> I,
2: you know, I think that there's something very important to say about you know if you're dragged anywhere in your underwear, whether you had sex or not. Yeah, I think that counts as a, a sexual assault. I'm just saying. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether anything before that, again, as as I said, doesn't matter if anything before that was consensual. So you know,
3: yeah, but and also like remember in this moment, she thinks that he is. I mean, she probably thinks that he's like lost his mind. Like she thinks that all of these things have happened and he's just like ranting to her about some ghost and then like some fucking naked woman chased them like you know at this point she probably is not thinking like well a ghost is after me like she's oh, yeah. thinking like oh you know my my uh this guy that i was like kind of falling for actually um i sure know how to pick up yeah
1: yeah
3: and, Turns
0: and, out he's horrible and, yeah yeah um, um. So yeah we we go through you know the the police and the hospital and uh, obviously none of that really helps or goes anywhere and uh there's a lot of conversation about what's what's really happened to her what what she's dealing with let's talk about maybe the scariest scene in this whole movie which is in a classroom where she is listening to her teacher read T S Eliot uh scary enough as it is yeah her teacher is reading you know the love song of uh proofrock and uh, she is looking out the window and there is in the quad of her i guess community college campus there is uh just an old lady in a hospital gown just walking and looking straight toward her and it's incredibly creepy she gets up she gets up and leaves and the teacher calls after her which strikes me as uh Something somebody would write in a movie if they'd never been to college, uh, because no teacher, yeah, no is,
1: college professor gives a fuck. Yeah, like, they're like, like fuck. well,
0: I guess they're going to a job or the bathroom or something. They're a fucking grown adult. I'm gonna continue teaching. And they do an incredible job with illustrating some of the other rules of this, uh, this creature in this scene, which is you know, she's running away from it and it is slowly creeping along behind her and she turns around to see it and she says something to it, and there are two other girls in the hallway that uh, respond to her, but do not acknowledge at all that there is an old lady in a hospital gown walking through the middle of the hallway. As even, literally-
3: when it's appro- even when yeah. she's approaching across the, the quad, she, yeah, th- she walks between two people who are having a conversation and like it's, it, its it's really smart because it's like, okay, it's not it's not like a monster. but it's definitely something that would make people turn their heads. Yeah, and yeah. and the and the fact that they don't is like is very is very unnerving and yeah that scene in the hallway is, Yeah, these two
0: actresses in really the hallway that are having this conversation are incredible because this woman walks like inches from like their faces as they're talking and like they don't acknowledge at all that there is a person there um and it's it's very unsettling in, in the context of
3: it reminds me of the thing I'm not like a big fan of zombie movies like of all the monsters and Mm -hmm. horror that I love I'm not I'm not a huge zombie uh movie person but the thing that has always scared me about zombies since I was a little kid is the fact that they're slow and Mm -hmm. and like the fact like it there's it's scarier than like a super fast predator because it's like you can run and you can hide but they're just never they're relentless they're never going to stop and you can also because you can watch them coming I mean going back to the tension of this movie Mm -hmm. like I feel like this movie takes that cue from zombie movies where you have this like intense like your nervous system has a reaction watching it because you're just like you have to experience more of it coming or as if there was like a big scary wolf running at you you're nervous response would be like an increase in adrenaline and like you would probably also like go into shock but when yeah. it's coming slowly like your your body doesn't have time to react in that way and it just becomes like uh, that unbearable feeling which is part of what i love about watching horror movies um i do
2: want to talk real quick about the previous scene with her in the bathroom because that scene shows her kind of investigating herself Mm. Which I think is is really indicative of the um, the body issues. You know, this is the many facets of trauma that has relation to sexual abuse and sexual assault. The fact that there's this scene also has some significance with the like the, the characters appearing naked and you know body issues and um, the how one sees oneself, how they see others in various states of uh vulnerability has to do with that trauma and you know i think that that's an important issue to be addressed there a lot of movies about sexual assault kind of leave a lot of things as read this movie does take the time to show certain aspects of it that are truthful brutally honest but it doesn't seem to um like some some films will relish in that and then into the body horror this isn't about body horror it's about real vulnerability and vulnerability related to sexuality so i think that you know the 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 characters being nude uh or i should say the the monster appearing as nude characters the the uh jay herself kind of uh, reassessing who she is by her body image, things like that, is important um, for the movie's message. So, uh, I didn't want to breeze by that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think
0: it's it's really interesting the way that this movie deals with horror or with trauma. I think in in that instance, and again in so sort of what I appreciate is also the way that trauma is dealt with in in this next scene, which is you know when she goes back home and uh, her. Her friends and family, uh, although they all a lot of them seem to have doubts about what's going on, that, you know, what she thinks is happening is actually happening. Nobody is nobody does that horror movie thing of like, oh, you're a stupid asshole. This stuff isn't happening. They're like, "Okay, clearly something's up. Like, Mm -hmm. we'll watch out for you. We'll, you know, whether it's, you know, Paul sitting on the couch or her, her sister, you know, sleeping next to her in the bed or um, whatever like the, she has she has better friends than almost anybody in any horror movie I've ever seen and yeah they got her back and like
3: I mean that's both that's both great for the setup of the movie that you have this like band of teenagers like fighting this thing but also for some of the themes that we've talked about the idea that you can break the cycle of abuse with friendship and community uh, you know i say very sincerely i think is very beautiful and not something that you see in adventure movies very yeah. often
2: and those all the the friends are there and they don't i mean there's there's one instance of the questioning and that's from greg but he's not part
1: of their crew I think it's really just at that point that Greg is questioning. He's just there to deliver famous last words. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I well, don't think it passed along to me. Sure, Greg. Mm-hmm. We'll see how yeah. that works out for you.
2: Yeah, but um, yeah, there's not there's there's very little doubt. You know, everybody is genuinely concerned, um, and uh, unquestioning, unflinching.
0: Yeah, and she uh, so she ends up you know, staying in with her sisters, She can't sleep, so she goes down to hang out with Paul, and uh, they have, I mean, we've talked enough about Paul's whole deal <laughs> with them already, uh, but they have, you know, a conversation about their their history here. And then uh, we get the, the sort of sound of a window breaking, and uh, Paul goes to check on it, and eh, it's just a broken window. That's that's normal, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna go check in with your sister upstairs, see what's going on, and boy she this is an unnerving uh, sequence where she goes into the kitchen
1: oh yeah it's such a tense scene there because we the audience know that paul can't see whoever is in there so i was expecting like creepy person to just walk right around the corner like at any moment during that scene
2: yeah, and the woman that um, that Jay seen, sees in the kitchen is, looks, yeah, it's it's very upsetting.
0: Yeah, she's um, sort of, of half roughly undressed. She is is actively peeing, it looks like, in the scene. Um she, sure is. It's very um,
1: unpleasant.
0: Yeah. Um, she looks like she's been through some shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, her hands are tied behind her back, too. Yeah
0: yeah uh, and yeah. Uh, of course Just, jc uh, bad
1: vibes all around
0: makes it yeah. makes a beeline upstairs um and you know blocks the door and hides in there with uh with kelly and paul and then <laughs>
1: paul grabs the
0: broom because you know that get him with the broom paul that'll help paul is paul is king of useless weapons as we'll see <sighs> later on <laughs>
2: he, he he tried gold star <laughs>
0: You know, uh, and of course, stupid Yara, for whatever reason, is still hanging out outside the room and wants to come in. and They open the door to let Yara in, and uh, that is when the very tall version of the oh, thing, uh, do not like it so away. tall, so scary. The the way that the lighting is shot in the scene where he just sort oh, of like emerges suddenly oh, from the darkness behind her and has to like bend terrifying. down to get through the door. Oh man, yeah, it's Amazing. very creepy. Uh, and Jay and Jay gets the fuck out of there. She's, she runs out and grabs her bike and starts uh, pedaling to the fucking playground. They all sort of track her down and Greg has seen her pedal off into the night in her uh, pajamas and is, is interested to see what's going on there as well. Um, so he, he tracks them down and uh, demands to know what's going on.
2: Greg is very hot to me um and apparently he is also meant to be hot to other people i think in this film but he
1: is a great fuck boy oh Oh my god he's that like Mm. you know he's not relationship material but yeah you hit it and quit it
3: yeah he's young dumb and full of
2: cum he sure is attention must be paid to that middle one because he comes in and he's like what did he really do to you does not cast greg in a
1: great light there's that moment uh, where he line. just storms off. There's like, are you just fucking leaving? He's
0: like, no, I'm getting the car. Not a great um, communicator, that Greg. Uh, Greg, uh,
1: not great at communicating. You know, if he has a fatal flaw, if there's anything that is truly his downfall, it might be poor communication.
0: Greg, thankfully, is, is game, though. He's going to go get the car. He is, uh, they're going to go on a quest to find Hugh, the shitty boyfriend. They go to the address of, of uh, the house where Hugh was staying, um
1: i love which... this house it's such a classic creepy mystery house
0: yeah i'm pretty yeah, sure it's... this is the same house that uh, the girl was in in final destination 2 when they find her the...
2: <laughs> yeah this is definitely a rundown, decrepit um very very ideal scene for a horror movie house
3: complete oh, yeah, that... with the bottles and cans just well that reminds hands. me that they're in in the scene with jay and paul on the couch they like giggle about how they found porn magazines in the woods which is like certainly relevant to the idea of like sexual coming of age also very relevant to this like what year is this because that is now like the classic thing that like people of like around my like gen x millennial generation straddler like we remember when you would find porno magazines in the woods kids these (laughs) days don't remember you know and then when they go i'm of course just gonna find the porn in every movie um that's my uh mutant ability and uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh in uh hugh jeff's like hideaway house he also he has like a mattress on the floor with porno mags where like presumably he's like Masturbating to prevent himself yeah. from like passing <laughs> the curse along <laughs> to someone else. Also, we have not talked about masturbation. What happens when you spill your seed? What does the entity do then?
1: The entity just, just like changes, you. Know? It just it just waggles its fingers. It's like it
3: <laughs> sings. Every, every sperm is sacred from monkey python.
1: <laughs> it just
3: mm. looks at you, judges.
2: It does. It can't go closer, but it can't go further. So. You just have to keep going. I think that's that's another way we can defeat the beast through jerking off. Yeah,
3: should I say beat the beast? Solo play, self love, yeah. self care. Yeah. Self care saves the day again. Yeah, just like <laughs>
2: just go at it and be like, mm.
0: <laughs> what are you doing in there, son? Keeping do. the beast at bay.
3: <laughs> God,
0: <gasps> I'm beating the yeah. curse, mom. <laughs>
3: I'm going to call it that now. Yeah, and beat the curse. <laughs> I'm just going to take a quick beat the curse break. <laughs> yeah, I'm Turn going to go ahead.
2: No longer follows if you catch my drift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg has uh, porno magazines and used uh, tissues and uh, unlabeled uh, bottles of medicine uh, presumably to help him sleep or keep him awake when he needs to because uh, yeah, he's been he's been doing this shit on his own. It would seem. Um, oh yeah,
3: can it get you when you're sleeping? I don't think that that is ever answered. Yeah, I mean, I mean he has. They have the bottles and cans.
1: Up. I'm gonna say yes, but only if you're having a white dream. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. It it works by <laughs> horny Freddy Krueger rules. <laughs> it can still get you, but only in a fuck dream. It can smell you. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> yeah and, and in one of these porno magazines they find a uh, picture that uh, jeff has kept of jeff and some girl and it is uh somebody is wearing a letterman jacket in it and so they decide to go check out the high school that this letterman jacket is from uh, wait isn't
3: the girl annie or at some point don't we see a picture of him I with annie i wasn't yeah. sure
0: if that was
1: annie or not i couldn't tell i, I, yeah, I funny, yeah i won't w- for sure
3: yeah i wondered i had wondered if um yeah anyway we can we can come back to the the logistics of following the trail
1: of which uh, again that's a hell of a backstory for hugh if he's like okay well didn't tell annie any of this deal and she didn't last very long i better do a whole like tutorial section for the next time i try this
0: let me get a wheelchair and some rope
1: Yep, I'm, he, gonna, he contra- I'm
3: gonna have a whole planning session now so he contracted Hugh slash Jeff contracted the entity during a one night stand well he tells us this in the, next, in the next scene but not so not to jump ahead but so we don't know if we've ever seen the woman who gave it to him we also don't know if the woman who gave it to him was like pulling a Hugh on Hugh Um, but not telling him which brings me to the question that if you and this will come up again later so to speak Mm -hmm. if you give this is this is what is like very clever about this movie because if you could just fuck somebody and pass it on that would be that would be one thing and you could have a lot of fun plot machination fun with that but i think that the, the extra cruel element of If it then kills the person that you pass it to, it comes back for you, Mm -hmm. Um, makes it so there's so many implications of that. And one of them is if you just pass it on to someone and you don't tell them what's going on, then you also actually like it's not like you can just then sleep easy. You actually yeah. have to watch your back Because if they don't know what's going on They're going to get killed like real fucking fast They're going to be yeah. like hey mom ugh, uh, My mom's fucking me to death And it, it
1: also <laughs> makes the curse that much scarier Because it means that Even if you pass it on Even if you go years without it Seeing it You're never entirely safe It can always still work its way down the line And come back to you Exactly well, yeah. Which is a pretty potent allegory which is why, again, the benefit of the organized polycule, you keep, you know exactly where the curse is. You keep it controlled within the self-contained loop. So agree.
2: I mean, there is also the, uh, the issue with obligatory sex, that is sex as obligation. Mm. And that is an issue that I think also is part of the, the complex problem that these characters are having with sex. That, you know is it about something i give or is it about something that i'm trying to get rid of hearkening back to the uh, you know the old stigma of being a virgin right you know and you can like be a chewed a st-
3: up piece of gum
2: yeah and then now it's it's not something that you share with somebody because that's the thing too is that you know paul is whole is carrying this torch for jay this whole time what a bitter victory you know he's he's like had eyes for her for x amount of years likely and it is also a great reason for her to be like no an extra no to you dude because this is not about love this is not about being intimate with you and knowing you in this way you know this is not about sharing myself with you this is sharing a curse with you and this is just me trying to get rid of it you know, that's why Greg is so ideal cuz you know, he's a set it and forget
1: it kind of guy. Um this and, is the rare curse that actually it's like someone get me a fuck boy. Yeah. Well, then, then then yeah, and
3: he's all he's all too happy and his I mean My the kingdom fact that for a fuckboy it's they're like not in short supply though. Um yeah. But, but, yeah. but but uh not for long. But, but in a way, actually, oh. and we're not we're not going to i i I keep getting ahead of myself but like it is a kind of interesting twist on the classic slasher trope which of course if you guys have just covered scream is like uh made very like uh, meta and explicit in in scream that like you know if you have sex you die like you you know in 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 this also like much older than slasher films like like gothic literature sense of like uh sort of moralizing uh about like sexuality and and evil and and darkness and like corruptibility but like yeah what greg's fate which we will soon learn about is like kind of punishment for like not believing her like all of her friends believe her and he's like curse i ain't afraid of no curse i'll get some hospital pussy and then like you
1: know we see what happens to greg Um,
3: greg has the line i
1: don't think it's coming I don't think it's coming. Like, I don't think uh, it's coming. Works like, on me every Greg, time. Greg, you're in a horror movie. <laughs> it's fucking coming. So they yeah. find so is he. Jesk. Uh, is he? Right there. Yeah, actually. He... Yeah, no, he's, he's coming. Yeah, um. Like you said, he's young, dumb, and full of cum. Yeah, slightly
2: less. He needs to get rid of
1: it. <laughs> or well, else that's... how can he run? <laughs> he does not. He He survives such a short amount of time
3: okay so he they go. have a girlfriend
1: so, so greg greg has a
3: girlfriend oh that's right that's right so greg takes them to his family's lake house which is well, not as fancy as it sounds really quick there's something we we, we can't forget the scene with jeff in his backyard with their cans of cola oh of course yes um, their generic cola and this is the moment where you could be forgiven for not making the connection that the woman who answers the door at Jeff's house is the, na- is the naked woman that is the first time we see the entity. But like, you see it all over Jay's face that she knows. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about this
2: scene is that, you know, they, they show up and everybody's kind of waiting on the curb and jay's there and she's like oh yeah your friends can come in too and they'll kind of descend on the house but then they're all just having a little fun in the backyard with their little straws and their little bendy straws and i'm like there's a lot this dude straight up assaulted jay Mm. and now we're sitting with him like it's a picnic and Mm. you know he's explaining the plot but there's no like i'm gonna punch the shit out of you like <sighs> i was expecting this to be a lot more of a heated discussion I feel like jeremy by
0: the, by well, I think they to bigger him, so fish to fry at this, at this point like he's yeah. so, like, clearly freaked out about everything and and you know out of his mind and like he's terrified of this you know girl carrying soccer cleats that's walking toward them at one point yeah uh,
3: i actually appreciate that we don't get paul like pulling the whole like i'm gonna kick his ass which frankly as you've mentioned paul does try to make all the horrible things that are happening to other people about him but that that is that's sort of like that's what that move is like you know when a when a when you like tell a man that you have been hurt by a man and they're like i'm gonna go kick his ass it's like well now you're making it about you so i'm glad yeah. that that doesn't happen but i also think that the juice box thing
1: well, is I, think connected because, to... I think that's because i think that's also ahead. because paul knows he's probably can't actually take you if i was expecting to greg to do
2: honestly like i but thought you he... know greg for greg's monkey brain would be like you hurt girl uh you know, but, look, but maybe also, if Paul the,
1: had his broom, he could have gone, but without that broom, I mean his folding getting... chair. Yeah. yeah.
3: But but the but the 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 juice boxes served by the mom and the the fact that she runs to the playground, um, just emphasize the fact that they're like on the precipice of adulthood, but they're still kind of kids and there's not a lot of adults around. All the adults are sort of like oh, Oh yeah, in in the background but not in a way like sometimes that really annoys me the like uh not a girl not yet a woman uh of it all with all due respect to britney like uh like sometimes that annoys me when it's like oh my god like they're still children but they're having sex and that like that the anxiety about that that you see a lot in movies as if like while simultaneously like
2: sexualizing
1: fairly legal people I don't care how old I get. If someone gives me a juice box, I'm drinking that juice box.
3: I mean, that's fine.
1: (laughs) Totally. But I think it's like consistent
3: with the, the with the themes of, of the movie of like, you know, the fact that you see the entity as, as old people, uh, you know, or elderly people so much. Jeff is trying to excuse himself, I guess,
2: or he's just Mm. trying to, to explain himself, excuse himself. Let's not beat around the bush, so to speak. But, um he says you know it should be easy for her she's a girl right right so thus saying that you know he thought that it he wasn't doing really anything wrong because she's a pretty girl and she can just have anybody and so she could just you know all she has to do is have sex with anybody choose somebody and sleep with them it's no big deal
0: uh he jeff uh eventually is like hey you know it, it's it's gonna come for you it's gonna keep walking but like if you get some distance you can at least you know have some time to chill so maybe go on a vacation uh so uh that's what i did in my too.
3: creepy house yeah great <laughs> like, volunteers take them up to his masturbation house
0: yeah his family's place in the country um and they put up the you know alarm cans in the house and they uh, actually get some sleep and uh Greg goes out and gets his his family's pistol that I guess they keep loaded in the garage or in the shed out there. Um, and teaches Jay how to shoot some, um, and then they uh, they go hang out at the beach. And uh, boy, this we'll is a wrong. this is a really this is a really well done creepy scene where like you know you, uh, <laughs> Greg is off peeing in the bushes and Jay is sitting with like her back to. Yara, who is walking towards her from from the woods, and then uh, as it does a reverse angle, and Yara floats into the scene from the other side, um, you know, on her on her little uh, inflatable. Um, mm. I mean, so it's it's uh, got two Yaras suddenly, and then Jay's hair suddenly does a number where it just gets pulled up into the air, and she's getting yanked around, and uh, Paul comes to the rescue with his very flimsy folding chair. And immediately gets thrown twenty feet away, but by, by whatever yeah. the thing is.
3: I have to say, I have a nitpick for this moment, which is that Hugh specifically says, "Don't let it touch you," and it's like you're getting the rules of the monster. He kind of didn't really need to say that because you're you've we've seen what happened to Annie in the beginning. Like we know it's bad, and then it's like it's technically touching her if it's pulling her by the hair it's a great Mm -hmm. effect it's a great effect in the moment and it's a great way of showing of of having the the uh, characters that aren't cursed like see like um uh you know like undeniable proof that there is something invisible there but i just it it kind of took me out of it for a second because i was like he's got her by the hair if it's got her by the hair like isn't she like kind of a goner but then she's not, and I don't know. That bothered me. Yeah, so it's, this it's a little scene,
0: unclear, because we also, we do see with Annie that she's been just, like, bent into a pretzel shape, and it's 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 unclear whether this thing is a real torture monster at this point, or, you know, what, what it's... Later, yeah, what it's modus later it doesn't is.
1: do torture, but what bothers me
0: in this scene
1: is the creature reacts to Paul hitting it with a folding chair, And Hmm. I kind of like it as just. I didn't really like that it acknowledged the existence of something else except its target. I like the idea of it just being this so singular thing that it just like is so beyond even acknowledging the existence of anything else. But on the other hand, I really enjoyed seeing Paul get the shit slapped out of him, and he goes fine twenty feet. Yeah, it acknowledges. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a very effective action scene.
2: I I feel like this creature. I mean, I don't know. Like the fact that. The fact that it acknowledges other th- other things and the whole idea of don't let it touch you. I think that that's, you know, I think that that's Jeff being hyperbolic in terms of emphasizing just how bad this thing is. And also, you know, it, it's not really killable as we'll find out. And the retreats uh, to
0: shed and she uh, she yeah. empties a couple rounds into it and it falls down and gets right back up.
1: So did uh, anyone, I definitely had a moment where I couldn't tell if this thing was completely unfazed by bullets or if Jay was just that bad a shot. And it turns out Jay is just missing like all of these shots.
0: Finally lands one, and the thing, uh, the thing goes down like a ton of bricks, and then gets immediately right back up. And they lock the, they lock it out, and then it starts like banging on and busting the door open. Which this is where Greg really earns his stripes as a fuck boy, which is he runs up and he's like, "What the fuck you guys breaking the door for?" It's like <laughs> clearly you're in a fucking horror movie, and there's a thing that's been chasing you guys. Something is going on.
2: I mean, he was, he's sort of skeptical this whole time. He wants to help, but there's, there is definitely, he is telegraphing that like, oh,
1: I'll help you baby kind of. Um, he starts being a chip fuck boy here and
0: never yeah. stops.
2: The, uh, the, the, the creature is Yara. And then it is one of the kids that watches.
0: For a brief second, they, it's the really tall thing again. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you can see it through the window. and then Oh, it, I do not like
1: tall. Do not it like the tall man.
0: He kicks the hole in the thing, and then uh, the tall guy can't get through the hole, so it has to turn into a creepy little kid to crawl through the hole. Yeah, so Jade decides she's, she's going to fuck off out of there, runs out of the shed, uh, runs back to the car. We see the thing pursuing her. This time it's in an Annie's shape, and she uh, jumps in the car and tries to haul ass out of there, stealing Greg's car, ends up uh, crashing it into a cornfield. Um, and then waking up in the hospital, which is, is maybe the most terrifying part of this movie, which is like, you wake up and you're like, oh, where am I? How long have I been out? Where is the thing? What's going on now? Um, also, the
3: fact that it appears as Annie gives us the information that anytime we've seen, any form that we see it in that we never recognize as a character within the movie says to me that it could be someone that it has killed before like uh, uh that it especially makes me think of the the peeing girl um yeah uh that like <laughs> that the, like over time the entity just like any anything that it shifts into becomes like a part of its repertoire um because yeah. especially like if it if what it feeds off of in a way or what it responds to or what it sees as raw material is like people being sexually upset. Then it's like, well, this one worked, (laughs) this one worked before. Um, I, I kind of, I, as, as uh, upsetting and disturbing as it is, I, I like, I like the idea. It, It makes it so that even when we don't recognize the forms that it takes, there's a history to the form. It's not just like some, like even like the creepy tall guy, it's like, uh, wh- who was that creepy tall guy? Like presumably someone.
0: Yeah, that was yeah. relevant
3: to someone like along this lineage.
0: Yeah, and this is you know in the hospital. Here is where she finally makes the decision to uh, sleep with Greg and passes along. They have what I'm sure is just wonderful hospital bed sex because I can't imagine anything worse than having sex in a hospital bed. Yeah. Um,
3: Do you okay? Now let's talk about the ethics of this. Greg has established that he doesn't believe that the supernatural element of this is really happening, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's doubtful.
2: Yeah.
1: I he's, don't
3: think he's and fully he didn't convinced. See, and he didn't see what happened by the shore. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: So... He was too busy rocking one.
3: <laughs> so, so do we, f- how do we feel about Jay deciding to sleep with him in that moment? Do you think that she's just like, I'm tired of running and fighting. I want to pass it along. I don't want to be alone. you know. Or do you think that she's... What what do you guys think about her her choice to do that? Do you think that she believes in it and really thinks that she is doing to Greg what Hugh did to her?
1: I think she's not... I don't think she thinks she's doing what to you I mean very importantly she's not chloroforming him and then throwing him out of a speeding car like right she's she's been transparent with she's given him all the
3: information and has been like do you still want to fuck me and he's like I do
1: uh, yeah I think it's her wanting to get rid of it trying to get rest and him being like well I'm not sure if it's real or not but I'll roll that dice to get laid yeah I, I fully agree
3: but as a strategy again and i understand that it's a curse and it's good for the engine of the blood, but like as a strategy passing it along to someone who is not going to put a lot of effort into actively evading it just means that it's gonna come back for her uh, sooner, like sooner rather than later I think I say the thinks...
1: weakness in the plan is the next door neighbor because she, she, the creature kills him and then he's like, "Well, now you're right there. I guess we're <laughs> back today. well, yeah. th- i th- I do think that she
2: thinks that um that Greg believes her and she's also just like, I'm sick of this shit. Greg, I don't know, I don't love you as much as I love my friends, you know.
1: I I hope I, that was her pickup line. Greg, I don't <laughs> love you. Let's have sex. Well, she, does, I, she does tell on me later,
0: like, yeah. oh, it wasn't a big deal because we'd had sex before. So yeah. Greg, yeah. Yeah.
2: Again,
3: I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, for sure. So like, yeah, the 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 fact that um she chooses Greg, I think is very, very uh it's significant and in, in that it is her choice um and she thinks she i guess assumes also i think there's a little bit of the same sort of logic there because she knows that greg is a fuck boy so um she thinks that he's just gonna immediately pass it along to somebody else yeah that or she's like well he's gonna have options so you know or
0: that he's gonna see things like slowly pursuing him at some point and be like huh? she was right about that she told me and now there it is because, which, which is I think is the logical response to be like well I don't really believe in this thing but now I know what to keep an eye out for and then oh no I'm definitely this, being followed by my naked mother that's weird This um, creature
1: is way more efficient at killing Greg than it is at chasing after Jay and Hugh uh, yeah
3: I mean I think that part of that is that it is is that he doesn't believe it
2: yeah. Well, he also probably doesn't see it, you know, and there's probably ways that if you don't see that going on, you could probably accidentally, especially if you're moving around a lot, you can accidentally serendipitously avoid it for a certain amount of time. For a moment, I thought he's creepy. Yeah. Um, And for a moment it's I, I thought that he actually had passed it along to his girlfriend or something like that but
1: no this is not that movie thankfully
2: uh, yeah well thankfully because <laughs> you know, maybe
1: he did and that's why he yeah. thought it wouldn't come for him because she was having her own fucking horror movie it fell for a few days and then eventually she got got and then it came back to his house um
2: yeah. and maybe she didn't come so it didn't work
3: this is what i'm saying like if it just you know if you just like get a few pumps in you know <laughs> and uh, is it is the creature going to be like that wasn't sex <laughs> dry
0: humping bumping I grinding need Yeah, fraudage.
1: I need to know Just, what this creature thinks I'm telling thinks you man fraudage. It. does <laughs> anal count drop on sex like what if you
3: know if somebody like had, Can you defeat this creature with a Hitachi? This is what I
1: want to know. I think (laughs) anything could be defeated with a Hitachi. (laughs) Just
0: use the Hitachi and then put it on an airplane. They call
1: it a magic wand for a reason. I'm telling you. There you go. (laughs) He
0: goes through a few days. He doesn't think he's being followed. He hasn't seen thing, So uh, he goes and sleeps apparently very soundly in his house. Jay, on the other hand, cannot sleep and is looking out the window watching Greg's house. When she sees Greg who was already asleep, walk up to his house and throw a brick through the window and then climb in uh, methodically. Um, there's
3: like something it's just... cre- There's something creepy about that scene. Like not only obviously as it slowly dawns on you along with Jay that you're seeing the entity and, and not Greg and that Greg is doomed. Um, but that th- there's something about the like corporeality of it in that scene where it just like kind of walks up to the house and it, it moves it moves like greg and it it's it i think i feel like that's a very deliberate like performer like director decision like they didn't have when you see it walking you're not like well that looks like greg but it's walking like a zombie right it like yeah. m- the way that it uses the the way that it breaks the window so and, the, and crawls in like looks that's just like how a fuckboy crawls through a window that's
1: what <laughs> <a window laughs> to me that illustrates a a problem I have with a little bit earlier in the movie is the alarm cans, because who the fuck is sleeping through the smashed window and then getting woken up by the lightly rustling metal cans?
2: Yeah, I mean that it feels more like uh, symbolic uh, than anything. But um, shattering
1: glass, I sleep. <laughs> uh, some cans got rustled. Oh my goodness!
2: It's Detroit. Um, but yeah the the way that the creature moves is is like a person is like, very human but with intent
0: yeah mm, you know I mean, it, it doesn't walk to the door it tries the door it doesn't work it walks over grabs the rock throws the rock like it's it's, like, it's right. very
3: deliberate um yeah creepy decisive
0: i should say and they didn't work on so this is B. i think
3: this is maybe my favorite scene in the movie because i'm sick in the head so
2: let's
1: talk <laughs> about what happens here
3: the most upsetting
2: i
1: think naked mom yeah, so jay, jay
0: da, 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 runs across da, da, the street da, da, climbs da, in the window runs upstairs to find uh greg's mom is knocking on the door very persistently to his room
1: i uh, love when the creature just turns and looks dead at jay with the look on it just a satisfied look of like yeah this is happening
3: and also by the way so it like is a it's it, it appears to be greg's mom but not just greg's mom greg's mom in the like tube site incest porn like robe half open like ah. you know uh, which you know
1: in the mother lover negligee
3: yeah but just she's got one tit out of her robe <sighs>
1: i feel like and if you look down stepmom dominates son like yeah you'll find this scene on porn Hub. Yes, but please uh, pay for your porn everyone support sex workers yes
3: but yes. Uh, but still yet this is a trope that is part of our cultural imagination so uh yes but it is it is uh very very fucking scary when the entity is like i'm gonna yeah. get your fuck boy and then you know what's you know what's next for yeah. you i mean jay but is literally at like the
0: end of the hallway like don't open the fucking door greg don't open the door greg greg the only thing he does is like he just opens the door Is like what the fuck mom and uh
1: also fucking very like a that's tiger. a very <laughs> incest porn line what what, what what are you doing mom what are you doing i always like when dark the dark siblings call each other like sis and bro you know the way siblings do yeah or step bro hey step, step bro, bro what are you doing in my room are we in a Folgers life. commercial or are we on Pornhub again?
2: Anyway, yeah. so the it. As I'm sorry.
1: Is... I apologize for that. <laughs>
3: no, 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 know, no, This is a this is a target no, The, the movie Folger, has sh- incest is very <laughs> relevant to this. <laughs> the best I've part of Thank you, <laughs> thank <laughs> you, thank <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs>
1: okay, fine. so what do we
3: see? So what do we see when Jay <laughs>
2: Jay thank opens you. the door to see Greg's half naked mom? fucking
1: him to death Drive i
0: hate it to, him to death he only she seems to be dead at words? this point she is still going pretty hard
3: i mean he, he died he died instantly or actually we don't know that he's dead we just know that he looks like gray and fucked up yeah this so was more
1: like a life force getting sucked out rather than like well time <laughs> to snap you in half
3: yeah like through the like mom appearing entity pussy and Do you that, think she's dry humping? I feel like she, it is like fully necro fucking.
2: Yeah, I at I this point I don't think it matters because it's upsetting as fuck. Um, and it also brings back that that connotation to Annie's death and how we found her like pretzled out on the beach.
3: Yeah, which
1: is oh no. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's not great. It is in and, fact bad, and also like, thank you guys, man. You guys are great. Thank you for really just going deep on, this, like how fucked up this is. But, like, we love going to go deep. deep. Go deep, yes. Thank you. Oh, I picked. I, I set it up. You knock it down. Um, but uh, in this, this is another moment of like the entity's sick, sick sense of humor, and also the way like in this moment we are seeing the the moment where the 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 newest target of the following is dead which means that the entity is presumably reverting up at the moment of death to the previous person who in this case is standing there which is jay right and and like so the fact that so either the entity is fucking greg to death and he like appears to be dead but maybe is like being tortured by being raped by his mom or what he what appears to be his mom or maybe what we're seeing is actually for jay's benefit like maybe he is dead and like what the reason that the entity is like continuing to like hump away is because it knows that she is watching
2: yeah well and there's that also um brings up the question that is this creature doing this to fuck with them or are they summoning these images sort of out from this creature based on what they are they fear or what makes them the the most uncomfortable
1: you know i, think that they're, I, think I mean that it's they're very intertwined. success yes, that's... mission accomplished creature way mm-hmm. to go
3: yeah i mean, think that that's part of i mean that's the thing is like if if this entity can appear as things to just dis- deliberately to disturb them then presumably it has access to what would disturb them and the more time it spends following them and watching them the more material it has or maybe it has access to their inner life
0: or it's maybe it's just that's doing fucked up me.
3: things and they're they're <laughs> perceiving their puny minds are like, I can't look at this horrible monster. So I'll just think of the next best thing, which is really, it makes
1: sense. But honestly, so unnecessary creature, just be the creepy tall guy. He's so tall. It's terrifying.
2: Well, that's, that's the thing though, is that. Oh, so many times does this creature appear as a sex crime victim to Jay. Who was a sex crime victim. Totally. Totally is i should say she survives as far as we know and the idea i mean some of these sex crimes sex crime victims are uh recognizable to her some of them are recognizable to us some of them are aren't recognizable at all but still recognizable as victims Mm. or as vulnerable or you know because they're they're either in like sleepy clothes or naked or you know underwear various states of undress you know vulnerability etc so yeah the the sex crime victim statistic that haunts women women who are dating women who are interested in sex women who are trying to find partners out there you know that's another aspect of this whole thing that is uh folded into the horror of this creature Mm. um and which leads me to think that it is sort of reacting to fears images related to um very visceral and um surfaced fears in
3: in the minds of its victims um We're just like in in society man i mean i yeah. do i do and this is maybe my interpretation but like i kind of like you know like oh, is a word that i use um lightly here but like i like the idea of it of it being aware of what is fucked up about sex in our society and culture and that it doesn't even need to get specific with things that have happened to these people it's like generally assault generally incest generally someone peeing themselves (laughs) generally like you know naked old people and I, i say that respectfully like that you know that's something that is upsetting to people and it knows that well the people that show up naked are
2: generally parents you know the old woman i don't know what her uh relationship to jay was but she was just in sort of a a
3: bedclothes nighty you know it was it was very yeah but or like yeah but the fact that she's like walking around like that yeah is is, um i don't know that it it like invokes like dementia and invokes like um someone who is like walking around in again like and the fact that nobody notices her when she's dressed she's dressed inappropriately right yeah. and like maybe she's in a nightie or maybe she i kind of thought it looked like a hospital gown. yeah i think so too um, yeah at first i thought the that, idea too. that you're like walking around with it's your cool. like ass hanging out you know because you know you don't know where you are you are or what you're doing anyway it's a lot a lot going on in this movie <laughs> indeed.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so speaking of a lot going on, uh, Jay runs out of the house, takes off in the car, decides to go sleep on the hood in the middle of the back roads. It's um, it's an interesting place to sleep in a car. I I would assume you just sleep in the car, but she decides to fall asleep on the hood instead. When she wakes up, she hears uh, water sounds and other sounds and goes down to the water and sees some guys out on a boat. And (laughs) Decides to go out go swimming out towards the boat. And that is the end of that scene.
1: Yeah. And
2: what the next has? thing we see after she like she takes off her clothes. I mean, not all of her clothes, but she takes off her clothes to like a swimsuit, full, you know, like a one piece swimsuit, which is another thing uh I want to point out about this movie, because they don't they don't put her in a bikini, which mm. um, you know. It's a, it's a small thing but it is definitely yeah. significant mm-hmm. uh, um but she's she's sort of in a one-piece swimsuit kind of outfit and then gets into the water and then we see the next thing we see is the the pool that she spends so much of her time in busted up yeah so uh, there's a lot that i assumed here. how i read it was that she like tried to um solicit these guys and somehow failed Mm. to get them to sleep with her and then it it came for her in the um in the pool and that's how she knows that it's still after her and how we know that it's still after her because you know whatever she did didn't work also you know the the this juxtaposition to a ruined ass pool you know to like her getting in the water and then destruction the english student in me is always like representation of ruin or some shit like that i don't think it's about sex so much as you know in terms of her having sex being something that ruins her because obviously that's not a no
3: but what's i totally agree with you and i think that what's ruined that's represented by that pool is we see her that that pool is like her like cozy zone it's her quiet place it's like a place of her own subjectivity and i think that you're totally right that the one piece suit is both like evocative of something that that a child would wear as opposed to like oh you're like becoming a woman and you like decide to wear a bikini um yeah. which isn't to say that it's like infantilizing uh I, I don't think that it's infantilizing to like emphasize the fact that like if these kids and these actors too, they did a good job of casting people who don't look like they're thirty-six year olds playing seventeen-year-olds. They like yeah. all look like they're in their early twenties
1: tops. I think they're um, supposed
2: to be in their early twenties because they're drinking alcohol and stuff. And they one of them says that they're twenty-one. That's right. I, that's when, right. When
1: Jay's and first introduced, in when Jay's first introduced, I had in my notes, baby Brie Larson. <laughs> yeah, totally.
3: <laughs> but yeah, so I think that like that, that the pool is like her like subjective space. And that is the thing that, um, you know, she's, like, not... And, and like, privacy, right? And, yeah. like, she, she, like, can't have privacy. These little kids are fucking creeping on her. And then she, like, can't have any privacy because it's following her. I was seeing kind of a, a,
2: a connection between that and the scene with the boat where she's, like, so, you know, she's she's giving up her comfort and taking risks because she's just so fed up with this bullshit you know and it is not working out but it's sort of like her her sense of self is just collapsing because she has to go you know she 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 has to be intimate with strangers if she wants to like get any respite from this whatsoever and it's not her choice she has to do it she doesn't feel like it's her choice
3: i feel i really i i appreciate um the idea that she like did not succeed in her plan to fuck these guys on the boat because i i definitely saw it as like a sort of interesting reversal of the horror movie trope and it's actually not even just a horror movie thing like for some reason the scene that comes to mind the most for me is in um oh brother where art thou but like sirens like coming out of the the water but like there's a million examples of like sexy lady appearing and a guy being like well yo you want to have sex with me it's not weird you just came out of the water like um (laughs) but and i think it's interesting that we an interesting choice that we don't see it but this brings me back to the thing that i was saying before which is like if she fucks first of all it's interesting that there's three of them because if she fucks one of them like like I don't I don't think I don't know, but I don't think that she can like fuck all three of them and then it'll like follow all three of them uh, until it comes back to her. Like, My that head if she, like...
1: is that that's actually a queer thruple. So she sleeps with the buy one and then he sleeps with the other two. So that's how it comes at it. <laughs> but again, the presumably one, she's like, these now you fuck him.
3: Yeah, yeah and know. You fucking it's like, okay, well, you came out of the water, sexy
1: lady, so whatever you say. I mean, if they <laughs> are Do the from
0: the water says.
1: That's almost like a horror movie from their end, with her as this mysterious, seductress villain from the water who then disappears never to be seen again, only leaving them with this fatal curse they can't escape.
3: Yeah, but, like, again, if she doesn't tell them what to expect, then it's gonna get them real fast because if they're the kinds of guys to just fall for the old, I'm a sexy lady that emerged from the water trope, then like they're they're not seeing anything coming. What I want yeah, to know is either,
1: either way, if she does or doesn't sleep with them, how awkward is that goodbye? Does she just jump back off the boat? Does she <laughs> run back to harbor with them at some point? Yeah, I, it's just like, well, that. T- thanks for the sex, um, bye, like, off the side. I cannot tell you how many situations that I have been in where I would
3: have loved to have just dove off the side. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> not for, me. Gone, gone for a swim. <laughs> yeah, well, it does, I mean, what we know is that it's still following. Yeah, it's still following her. She goes home, and then Paul bats his
1: eyes really hard <laughs>
0: let he's... me help I can help with your sex demon situation why
1: didn't you pick me to be your sex demon sacrifice, sacrifice? <laughs> Where do we start I think we've already started with Paul how can I... this is really I feel like the most chip he gets and he gets less chip after that this but this is really where he's like hey, how come that your horrible murder sex curse isn't about me and how you're not sleeping with me when you should be
2: yeah that was awful
1: i'm like you mother like so the last time i saw this movie was before i came out and i really didn't think too much of paul's behavior and i'm watching it now dressed, you know looking the way i am and i'm being like oh you're the fucking worst paul i hate you
0: Yeah, I do, I do wonder if Paul feels a little bit like a director stand and and, uh, I Mm. hope, I don't know, it's hard to know whether that's the case because Paul, while he is often focused on while he is looking at Jay and Paul makes several passes at uh, helping her with her curse (laughs) through various means, uh, Paul is never, Paul's never really punished for any of this uh, by the movie. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a not incredibly self-aware, self-insert uh, but Paul does come up with a plan. So they pack Bad up a point. bunch of stuff and go somewhere together. And as they pull away, there's the most unsettling shot in this movie, which is the, uh, the the naked creature standing on top of the house, just waiting. Oh, that's hey so buddy. creepy.
2: Guess what I got in a movie. Oh, yeah? No speaking lines, though. <laughs> what, what did you do?
1: Well... Uh,
0: I'm gonna stand on a roof with my cock out and threaten somebody, you am Gonna look ominously,
1: y'all. Yo, if you haven't seen Man. this movie, this man's bush can only <laughs> be described as Nietzschean. <laughs> <laughs> if you stare into it long enough, it will stare back at you. Oh my, it, it, oh
3: my it. god! It did. You don't need
2: to stare that long into it um that's
3: a oh that's those are goals man (laughs) um i i i I was gonna save this for a recommendation but uh i i want to bring up this really great essay um that was on this website that i don't think exists anymore called the outline um and it's by shanti collins it's called monumental horror have you guys read this?
2: No. Mm-mm.
3: It's really really good and it um it talks about the image in horror movies of like something standing still that shouldn't be there. <laughs> um and like why it is uh, it's kind of like what i was saying about zombies but it's not even about moving slowly it's just about like the scariness of something standing still um and uh it it has like all these examples from the exorcist it definitely has like images of bob from twin peaks and um and dr uh,
0: who uh <laughs> creepy <laughs> angels
3: that's a that's that's a good call um i don't think it has that but that is a good call um lots of this in the shining uh the 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 the, like woman across the street in hereditary like waving uh just like people like people or things like standing uh where they shouldn't be uh and and it has several examples um from this movie uh so i i highly recommend checking out monumental horror it actually really helped me as a comics writer like thinking about like how to script something for like visual impact and how to like talk to how to collaborate with artists on like creating something creepy in a medium where you don't um where like you're more limited in like how you can use movement and sound Mm -hmm. um so yeah great great essay very relevant to uh naked guy on the roof
2: yeah it might uh, be a paranoid agent
3: as well yeah who we don't i don't think we all i don't think we know who the guy on the
1: roof is is it's not the same is it the same as the tall guy i don't I, know is it the guy who is it her dad like is it uh jay no uh, her no her dad, no, her dad jay's
3: dad shows up soon but it's, yeah that that's that's not her dad
1: okay
2: yeah, I going think. Her I'm gonna say dad, just, no, her I'm dad's shorter, just, different hair, different head shape, and everything. I'm gonna yeah. say
1: just a well-built middle-aged man who looks imposing on a roof, and got he a sad look card.
0: imposing naked on yeah. a roof. Just... that's
1: a good point.
0: Uh, so yeah, they they pull away from uh, from the strange weather main on top of uh, Jay's roof, <laughs> um, uh, and they they head out. Oh no. <laughs>
1: I don't want to know which way it's pointing. This one. Oh, Storm's coming. Oh, <laughs> That's good.
0: That's good oh, you'll, right there. you'll know. They pack all this shit and they go and head off to... They, they park on the edge of this area and there's this whole conversation, which I think is maybe the thesis on anything this movie has to say about race, which is they have this whole conversation about how they're all kids from the suburbs and all of their parents tell them that they as they were growing up, that they can't go past this certain street. And then they figured out when they got older, that was where the city started. And, you know, they had to stay in the suburbs, which knowing particularly that city is Detroit has has a lot of different implications, which is, is the closest movie will come to talking about race at all.
1: It really just yeah. comes so out of nowhere. And there's so little to it. It's It's kind of jarring. Like it honestly took me out a little bit. I was just like, really? Now you're doing a whole, like, now you're going to talk about class? I don't think you have time for this movie.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm glad that it was addressed. I mean, this movie is definitely not about that, but, you know, I, I, I didn't know where the fuck this was supposed to be until that scene. Um, and the fact that it is placed in Michigan um, now made a little bit more sense for me um and the fact that it is in michigan now they're they're
1: saying okay this is michigan this is detroit this is the eight mile you know yeah, i did not realize that this was in detroit until they specifically said eight mile and my fucking 2000s millennial brain went oh like the m M&M and movie yeah i know that
0: you've got to lose yourself in the music the moment own it never let it go speaking
1: no. of losing Mom, yourself
2: spaghetti so real quick this pool house speaking of of monumental horror um this place looks like arkham asylum how everybody depicts arkham asylum also is this like a michigan thing to have pools underground like through fucking sea lab from the abyss tunnels
0: no it's a it's an indoor pool thing when you when you're somewhere that's like this fucking cold you have to have right. this infrastructure to heat the pool and everything during the uh, winter. The, the uh, At UNC, uh, where I went to college, they, they've got a couple of indoor heated pools and both of them had lots of weird back hallways you know, that were, were made by having all this like old steam equipment and everything, keeping everything warm. So yeah, those shits are creepy.
2: Yeah, that was fucking terrifying. I was like, where the fuck are they? Oh, they're going to a pool?
1: What a... Great location for a horror movie climax. Like it's so.
0: What a great location for through. such a horrible plan. Yeah. <laughs> this so
1: so yeah. Okay. So now, the can we talk plan. about how this? Plan
0: let's. Starts. Yeah. Let's talk about Awful what the plan. plan is.
1: Awful plan. Yeah. Can we lay it out in detail? Because I feel like if you're just watching, you might not grasp just how terrible a plan this is. Yeah, so.
0: The plan is they're they're going to get everybody together at the pool house. Jay is going to float in the middle of the pool, and meanwhile. They're going to hook up electrical stuff all around the pool. Wait till the creature gets in, and Jay tells him it's in. Jay's going to get out, and then they're going to throw all the electrical shit in the pool and electrocute this creature. To at this point, we have seen no indication that they are at all vulnerable to electricity, but this is their this is their grand finale. I in chapter two. <laughs>
1: I feel like a lot of movies would have waited for it's. Like, oh, we did it, it worked, and electric, it's like, oh no, it's actually immune to electricity. No, this creature immediately ruins the entire plan by taking one look at this scenario goes like, oh, okay. Well, I'm just going to start throwing shit at her instead. And...
2: Yeah, so th- I remember at the very beginning when Hugh slash Jeff says... It's not fat or it's not dumb, but it's slow or something like that. He's basically like, yeah. it's not dumb.
0: It's slow, but it's not stupid.
2: Yeah, it's slow, but it's not stupid. So it, it so, comes in here and it completely, like, t- you know, takes apart this fucking Goonies style plan.
1: The electrocution part, thank goodness, just from a technical standpoint, does not work. Otherwise, Jay is dead 30 seconds into this scene.
0: Yeah. Also, so the- I'm watching them hook this stuff up. And they're clearly like grounded outlets that are made for somewhere that has heavy water. And like so immediately if one of these things goes in the pool, it's going to trip and none of the electricity is going to work. It was like
2: Yeah, and it's also in the middle of a thunderstorm. So I was like, the power is going to go out. Oh, the power is going to go out. It doesn't. But there's like 8 million things wrong with this plan. that is all like so many things stacked against this plan. And the,
1: and the shit Stephen that
0: they... Uh, Stephen King has <laughs> children with their revive. Stephen King- ass plan.
1: They yeah. later improvise a much better plan that consists of pointing, throwing a blanket, and then shooting in the face.
0: Yeah, they... this is after they. This is so. This is after oh. Paul aban- finally abandons the plan of just fucking shooting at something he can't see. Where is it? I don't know. Let me shoot at it. Oops, I shot Yara. What the fuck, Paul?
3: <laughs> yeah, I will say, I will say so the bad. plan. The plan is very stupid. Um. B- uh. But. Uh, in it's defense of the scene, in defense of the scene, number one, I feel like we could make the case that it is that it is a plan that a bunch of dumb teenagers would think oh, yeah. of. Oh um, yeah, and 100%. and that makes it like plausible. plausible. Um, and uh, and and two, it is well, I mean, two, it's a great setting, and like this movie, I think prizes atmosphere and tension over. Uh, logic uh, a lot um, oh, which, yeah. which it's like as long as you know that that's what, as long as I know that's
1: what I'm in for I can like there's something both that. scary and funny about mm. this horrifying creature just chucking televisions into a pool <laughs> yeah. um,
3: but then also the the scene the, the, the idea that they're all waiting they have no idea how long they have to wait and then she is pointing at it and saying it's right there, it's right there, and they can't see it, but she can see it, and like everybody is really fucking scared. Like, that, that is really scary. They really sell that moment.
0: Yeah, Kelly yeah MVP with that fucking sheet move, too, because everybody else is like, let's just run around and shoot at it, and Kelly's like, hold on, let me throw this sheet on it. Now we can see it.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, I think also the idea was that they thought it was going to displace water, they- which... It didn't really look like it did.
1: They they really should have put Kelly in charge. Kelly is the most important strategic contribution.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously Kelly, like, Paul can't even call the cops. Like, he needs Kelly to do it. (laughs) So
0: Kelly's not even (laughs) doing it. Again, the
1: the only casualty they take during this entire final scene, the only protagonist that is hurt is because Paul shoots her. Yeah. yeah
3: it's interesting that it is you make a good point about displacing water it's interesting that we know that it's corporeal because it can like smash things to get to her but and and you can throw a sheet over it but it doesn't i don't know whatever it's it yada yada it's a horror ghost. movie it's magic um yeah well the the thing it, is
2: about the scene that's just really weird to me is not the fact that this planet is entirely cockamamie bananas. I mean, it's it's definitely <laughs> Stephen King sideways and um, and but also desperate. The kind of shit they put together, like is this
0: the electric typewriters, is this what we're going to talk about.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, the electric typewriter.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, but
3: that goes back to, to the idea typewriter. that it's like you know that they're they're watching tv on old tvs but she has like a futuristic device like i kind of i kind of enjoyed the like it's like analog through the ages do typewriters? Yeah, type- i don't
1: really was do they have enough electricity to electrocute anything with
2: an electric electric typewriter certainly does you don't need electricity for an electric type well you do need one for a little electric typewriter but you don't need <laughs> one for like a automatic non-electric typewriter <laughs> Oh, but cathode ray tubes do carry a certain amount of charge in them so i feel like the second that, that tv hit there would have been a thing happening anyway the the thing the fact that the thing starts like pulling shit out of the wall and it's throwing stuff in the pool but the second that like before it hits the water it gets unplugged is there's a lot of tension there and it's, it's very effective super effective
0: yeah, and, and finally, you know, they throw the sheet on it, Paul shoots it in the head, it falls into the water, which is, then becomes invisible again. Um, and, uh, you know, Jay is trying to get out of the water, the thing grabs her leg, uh, Paul is, is shooting at it. We didn't mention that uh, the creature looks like her dad in this whole oh, scene. yes. Oh, yeah. Um, which and we've, we've seen pictures seen of
3: pictures. her dad, so... And there's like one final shot, also, just in case you missed it, that yeah. it is her dad. Although not naked, right? No, he's, but he's in sleepy clothes. Uh, ah, yeah. yes. He's in underclothes.
0: Yeah. And it, it grabs Jay and pulls her underwater, and she's having difficulty getting away. Paul is meantime using his infinite ammo cheat to uh, shoot as many <laughs> bullets at this thing as possible and finally manages to hit it in the head with one. Um, Jay gets out. And nobody knows what's happening Jay doesn't want to go back to the side of the pool And finally decides to go look To see if it's dead And all all we can see is a Just billowing expanse of red Underneath the water
3: Which matches her fingernails And the ah. stilettos from the beginning Yeah Oh it's like red is a symbolic color
1: Color, color sluts.
3: like
1: blood. <laughs> you know it
0: yeah, so We don't really know What happened to the creature here and neither do they, which uh, is, is sort of reflected in the fact that like Jay then ends up, Jay then goes home and sleeps with Paul. This, this is a scene of Paul doing what seems to be cruising for sacrifices. Okay. Thing. So
3: this is, this is, I'm going to just get on my high horse for a second here. All right. As a sex Go worker, as, as a sex worker who does a lot of fiction and nonfiction fiction storytelling and media making and organizing uh, around the sex industry i feel like there's maybe a generous interpretation of this scene of paul like driving and seeing sex workers and sex workers representing like oh like a like a just like a craven sexuality or like a loss of in- innocence. Like he can't like everywhere he looks now he sees like, you know, things that he interprets to be like dark and degrading about sexuality. Um, So that is whack because sex workers being used as metaphors for other things, especially the dark degrading side of urban sexuality is just very boring and played out and like actively harms sex workers by dehumanizing them. It leads to directly leads to violence against sex workers and people who are profiled as sex workers, like trans women of color. And so, so if it's that it's whack, but also if Paul's if Paul is like, I'll just sleep with these whores and then like pass along the curse to them. That's super whack. Like, yes, it's not ethical for Jay to swim out and like sleep with a bunch of or just like bang a bunch of probably not sleeping like bang a bunch of douche bros like on a boat but like also like there's there's some real uh gender dynamics there of like yeah you know what like if you're a douchebag on a boat like maybe you deserve to die but like the idea (laughs) of like i'm gonna go like take out my i'm gonna like deposit my curse on these like uh you know on these sex workers who are definitely depicted as, you know, looking like, I mean, we're, I know we're going to probably talk about class later, but like yeah. you know, definitely um, like street walk, these like extreme stereotypes of like street walkers um, is um, just a really sour note on the end of a movie that otherwise has really imaginative and interesting things to say about sex. And just a reminder that like, even people who are creating interesting genre stories about sexuality just still have a blind spot when it comes to the humanity of sex workers and that is my monologue about that thank you here that is super valid i actually posted
2: a yes, um yes. A, a note here on our on our doc about that being a big part of the you know the discussion of classism in this movie um and and also in horror and uh true crime i've i've heard a lot about the you know what the the issues are with um uh tracking serial killers and the quote-unquote less dead you know people who are considered to have to, uh, to be part of a higher risk lifestyle so we're you know as a society we're not
3: uh really trained to c- care about them so much the, uh, the, literally there is a police shorthand for yeah. a death at, like homicides involving Sex workers, no humans involved. That is that is a real thing. So for that's
1: sociopathic. What the yeah? What mean all the fucks?
3: Yeah. So like you know for for again, like it's it's just it's just such a small moment in the movie, and probably like most people who are you know not looking out for that or 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 not taking it personally. Um, on behalf of themselves and their like loved ones and community like um, wouldn't even think that but like it's 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 the kind of thing that is an accumulation of those messages over the course of like so much storytelling across mediums that contributes to dehumanization again
2: yeah well and i wonder about that because in
3: this point of the movie the movie ends very unsettled yeah Um, which I don't and I don't mind that and the like an ambiguous ending I don't mind that
2: yeah so the 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 presence of the sex workers to me seemed a little bit more like underscoring just how gross Paul is (laughs) Um,
3: yeah but also as a strategy of self-preservation even taking the logic of the movie into account if paul like deposits his like curse on these sex workers they're gonna be like brutally murdered um by this entity and it's just gonna come back for them again and then he is responsible for the death of these fucking people who are just trying to fucking work and survive yeah absolutely and and
2: i mean i i kind of read it as him considering that Mm -hmm. um you know considering both the the um multiple angles of that but you know i don't want to be too forgiving of the movie in this case because this is a big problem yeah in um in representation in media for real um but i mean on the other hand the the way that the movie ends with paul and um she just sort of holding hands walking down the the street with and it's so bitter it
3: just feels really really bitter and there's also somebody the hand behind that, them that he's holding the hand that he's holding is the hand that she she's had a cast for half of the movie now because of the crash in the cornfield it's yeah like, what i that has to have been deliberate i like so, almost kind of like it as a choice but it's a little cringe worthy of like paul walk on the other side and hold her hand that's not in the cast please yeah
2: yeah it's i mean it's weird because it again it's it's very bitter i want to say bittersweet because like paul has been angling this for ages and then finally he got this thing that he he wanted but it's completely without any i don't know like if it's it's without the significance that he wanted and uh, and she looks miserable.
0: Yeah, I mean, then this certainly like this last scene before they're you know walking around holding hands. They're at the hospital with Yara, who is again reading from the idiot from her clamshell. Um,
1: that's all I'm going to remember about Yara. the
0: inevitability has, of death.
1: That's all I remember Yara's has clamshell got shot by Paul.
3: <laughs> I love I loved that actress. I felt like she had this like big Velma
1: energy. Oh I yeah, felt like yeah. she was approaching this not like a horror movie but like an indie art house film, and totally. I love just that weird, detached, pseudo-philosophical attitude she had to all this horror stuff going on. Around. I love
3: the way that she is reading Dostoevsky while eating a sandwich. And farting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fart. Man, Dostoevsky and fart jokes. Two great tastes that taste great together.
2: <laughs> Yara, I would totally, like, she's somebody I would totally be like, BFFs with. Totally. Um, I mean, you know, depending on who else well, anyway.
0: Yeah, and there's this was is sort favorite. of like this, I, I don't know, feel like with her reading that and with them walking down the street of this, like you can't ever really escape this thing just like you can't ever really escape death. You just have to, you know, deal with, with what you have and walk on together. And um I I forget what the exact quote of, of uh the from from the idiot is. Um
3: it's like something about like the certainty of death is the worst part of it and like that even even if you're if you're tortured and and like if you're experiencing like pain or like suffering or like mortification that like like all of that is like actually just like a distraction or like a relief from the fact that like it is certain that one day you will die that's my that's my for you
0: the real, <laughs> the real fear is that someday you will no longer be, you know, human or uh, exist rather than yeah. that, you know, the pain. The pain's just a little part of it. I mean,
1: <laughs> look, I did such a great job not existing for literally billions of years. <laughs> I was amazing at not existing. <laughs> really, all this is, is me interrupting an otherwise perfect streak of not existing. That's, this is that's
2: lovely. Deep. I love that. This, this is beautiful. <laughs> you know, I mean if we're talking averages, a lot of us just really don't exist.
0: All right. Uh, let's talk about uh let's talk about the politics in this movie because it's it's all wrapped up now. Death is inevitable, the end. Um, yeah. So uh what do we uh what does this movie have to say about uh mental illness and uh mental health, and physical disability.
1: I do think that this movie, and I think it's through this kind of pervasive trauma, this inescapable trauma just of the following that the beast follows, like the the beast, the creature, constantly follows. I really feel like the movie does a good job showing just how absolute and crushing the mental strain of that is.
2: Yeah, the fact that you can... um you can drive away from it for a time is an incredibly apt allegory for for mental illness whether it's trauma related or not like you know every
1: time jay wakes up outside not totally sure where they are not sure how safe they are having to look around and in like life or death from the moment they wake up every time they wake up is such like an intense trauma reaction
3: yeah and something that we haven't talked about yet that I think I really picked up on for personal reasons is the like presence slash absence of uh, Jay and Ke- Kelly's her sister, um, yes. of Jay and Kelly's mom. There is a shot of the mom passed out with a empty bottle of wine and like glass of wine, and um, they like allude. To, they allude to her and like uh, as somebody who has people in my life who suffered so much from depression that it leads them to drink themselves into a stupor or to death. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 like specter of of their mom and her depression was like very present in this movie for me especially since there are all of these themes of like what traumas do we carry on what traumas do we inherit from our parents as we like try to become adults through having sex and then like in the case of this movie like uh i don't want to say fails but they're not like failing at sex but like you know like Uh, suffering and struggling spectacularly um and meanwhile uh you know the like one of you know if their dad is i think that their dad is dead and that's part of why it's so upsetting that he is appearing to them in the pool trying to kill her with toasters and TVs. but like um the fact that the mom is alive but um absent and has left them in this like Sort of latch key situation um, is um, it d- d- like cast this like pallor of sadness like over the whole movie, and I think is is really anyway it was very res- resonant with me.
0: Yeah, I yeah. Think every time we do see her, which there's a couple of points where she's around in the movie, she's you know obscured. We we don't really see her face. We just see um, you know this sort of presence or sort of passed out her in the you know refrigerator or something like that. Um, which yeah, is, is really interesting. And I feel like it's, it feels like, I, I think, you know, it's, it's obviously easy to interpret this uh, it as, uh, you know, sexually transmitted disease, but like, I think also just this it as trauma that, you know, catches up with you and is passed from person to person. You know, this is, especially in the case of, of Jeff, who is this person who has been traumatized themselves, and to deal mm-hmm. with their trauma passes it on and traumatizes somebody else, yeah. um, you know, is, is really resonant and, and interesting to me. It's got this, and and with all the parents being either absent or, or not generally trustworthy in this movie, other than Jeffs, I guess, um, who's just clueless, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. It's this real Philip Larkin, uh, this be the verse kind of feel to it of just, you know, passing shit on and deepening like a coastal shelf and you know just uh (laughs) getting worse and worse and worse
2: that is that is something um that i found from the movie too about that trauma um and also when we're talking about the the um the imagery of the sex crime victims too and the um shared trauma um when we hear about sex being um involved like sometimes there's a lot of people who probably have grown up and the most they've heard about sex is when they hear about sex crimes and or that that sex will kill you or that sex will yes especially if you're queer yes and i think that that's really significant in terms of how the movie presents sex you know that it is just like pnv conservative definition of sex 'Cause I don't know if I, I would have been comfortable if you know exploring different kinds of sex would be should be in this film associated with trauma. But I think that the the idea here is that the social expectation of sex is more toxic than the act itself. And the social expectation of sex defines sex as, you know, P and V for for a long time. At least, you know, that's the the um the stereotype that we're trying to get past here yeah um and that's a trauma that is uh causes all sorts of issues with um sex among people you know and and reading all these stories about true crime and the the kind of people that inflict this trauma the the uh um you know east Area rapist and you know the various other serial killers that you hear about um utilizing the
3: the green river killer who specifically targeted sex workers because he knew that or he believed and in some cases he was correct that people would not care as much about yeah
2: well he's he's definitely not the only one yeah um but that is uh that in and of itself is a trauma um that a lot of people share and then the fact that people go into these these serial killers pasts and talk about their traumas as a reason for what happened you know um which is a a whole different conversation to be had but it all comes back around as the 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 incredibly powerful allegory of passing a trauma through sex Mm. or related to sex um in this film and uh you know i think that the film it makes it complicated enough in terms of the situation between the characters Mm. and the sort of ambiguousness of the monster that i think that 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 allegory is successful it's not super reductive even though the the definition of sex is reductive
3: i agree with that
0: Yeah, um, I mean, while we're talking about that, I mean, that definitely has played over into the LGBTQIA representation and themes in this movie. Is is there anything else we want to add to that?
1: I mean, just what I'm saying, I mean, it's the idea of sex tied to death and the ethics and morality. I think that you could watch something like Pose and get such a truer idea of just how horrifying these concepts that this movie is playing around with truly were in real life and also you get billy porter like amazing outfits
0: (laughs) uh i guess tied to that this movie doesn't have too much to say about race we did mention you know the conversation about the suburbs and detroit and that these kids have largely been kept away from this this question and having to think about this thing uh do we feel like there's anything else meaningful to be said about race in this movie
1: the movie just like introduces the concept of, oh, here are white kids in the suburbs, uncomfortable with the city they grew up around. But it doesn't do, mm. and I don't know if it does anything with it, aside from just introduce it right at the very end when it's too late to do much with it.
0: it does feel a little well, bit it, like, or like the director going, "Here's why there aren't any black people in this movie."
1: Well, it, it is.
2: It should be pointed out that Yara describes it as ridiculous because she just wanted to go to the fair and you know it's only like a couple more yards they are going through this the one of the dilapidated old neighborhoods that is is folded into what their parents said now whether these kids think that that's a good idea or believe it um you know the i think the movie is saying something there i don't think it's enough but um you know we do know that they're like especially at the school's and in the hospital that they are in a diverse community um but all of them there there are very few if any oh there's the the black teacher who is reciting t.s Eliot.
1: even if there's a few like i think background characters of color i don't think there's enough here to say the movie is really doing anything or saying anything or arguing much of a point
2: no I mean I think it's it is acknowledging that that is part that is inherently part of Detroit the the existence of you know the, what it is to exist in Detroit
1: if you do a movie in Detroit with only white people that is a de- very deliberate decision <laughs> you're yeah. making like, all on its own it's like when i see a movie where it's like oh here's philadelphia's working class and it's all like blue collar white people i'm like no that is yeah. not what philadelphia looks like
0: which i guess also ties into the question of class here uh i mean other than what we've already covered is there anything uh, i think meaningful to be sort of class or to be brought up about class in this movie
3: i mean i did appreciate aesthetically that i mean yeah they're in the suburbs but there's it's a very sort of like it definitely doesn't feel like middle class or upper middle class and of course like what that might mean in detroit is going to be different if it's the future where you can read that dostoevsky out of a compact that looks like a shell or if it's like the era from this car or the era from this tv but um uh, i did sort of appreciate and like recognized in like some of the places that i've lived that sort of like even the like above ground pool that we've talked about in her backyard and like kind of the ways that like they don't live in like a super well manicured neighborhood they don't have like really nice clothes like there is a kind of um sense to the movie of like these are people that other folks might call trashy um and that felt um it didn't it didn't feel like oh we're putting on trashy people costumes like it felt um uh very like fully realized like in all of the production details and like i don't know if they're trying to say anything in particular about like lower class working class white kids like latchkey kids in detroit in relation to any of the other themes that we've talked about but i appreciated seeing a movie where like people kind of lived in some shitty neighborhoods
2: i mean the neighborhood is is very lush with a lot there's like a lot of natural imagery that is i think not always i mean you have these houses that are sort of smaller lots like i think about this movie compared to something like scream where everybody's living in some
3: crazy multi-story house exactly exactly yeah and and i didn't like it's like grown over though it's not like lush in the sense that it's like like a super beautiful vibrant area it's like yeah it's like nature is sort of like reclaiming a lot of the spaces especially the big buildings that we have talked about like the place where she is held captive in the beginning and the um the the pool the, even like the pool or like her like community college, like these don't seem like very moneyed places.
2: And they, but they don't seem like they're. It doesn't seem deliberately s- supposed to be a low, lower class or any sort of particular class. But they're just you know they're a lot more aged looking. Um, and I wonder sometimes if that was uh, the decision to do that, other than like the timelessness element, was also to like hearken back to the to the imagery of eighties horror movies especially like 80s um, suburban horror, Um, which, you know, did have stuff about class, but it was a lot more subtle um, in terms of like, I don't think that the the directors wanted to say anything other than reflecting the the, uh, fears, societal fears at the time. But, uh, you know, the idea that they did talk about the city versus the suburbs i think is significant in that you know they are defined as suburban people um but i mean i don't know how the movie could have said anything about race or class other than that in an effective way without being six more hours long
0: (laughs) yeah i think they're decidedly sort of lower middle class kids um but uh, yeah it's it's interesting to me it's not just uh Sort of cut and dry in that respect. The the one other thing that's not cut and dry that I, I want to pose to you guys is, uh, is this movie Feminist? What do you think?
2: I think it's trying to be in a way. I think that the discussion is so complicated. I mean, the girls, all the girls and the women in the movie, um, well, I should say the, all, most of the, the there's not really much in the way of women. There's the mom who's sort of in the background and, and sort of uh, missing in action.
1: I think it says that a lot that you asked, "Is this movie feminist?" And we all just took a deep, long, uncertain pause.
3: Yeah, I will. I will say that, like my gauge for is a text feminist, like the first place that I always go to uh, the place where I always go is like, are there women or girls or femmes in this film who? have are granted subjectivity which is like i that is the fucking the bar is that low um but I, i i will say that i think that the women in this movie have subjectivity and the movie is interested in their subjectivity and it's not i mean it's a male you know it's a male director who was the writer director, right? And so, and yeah. he's like chosen a female protagonist, and like her gender is a very important part of her character and the story and her dynamics with other characters. Um, but I think that he is interested in her interior life, and like there, there's certainly um, there's also, I mean, I guess it passes the backtail test. Yeah. So, like, yeah. there there are women who have rela- like the sisters have a relationship. Like Yara is you know is a friend, and like you know also like I think the the movie sort of depicts the uselessness of boys pretty well. But I you know I don't <laughs> I don't think that depicting the uselessness of, of boys is necessarily a feminist project. But I I you could see a version of this movie where the boys um, like get all the pussy and know what to do and fix things for everyone and um i mean it i think it's kind of one of those movies where like no every like everybody's pretty flawed and everybody's pretty fucked yeah in that way it's like equal opportunity bleakness across genders and maybe that's progress (laughs) i mean this
2: is definitely not a proactive message movie this is a movie that's it's not like black christmas where it's like okay we're gonna take this back or anything like that we're the the remake of black christmas that we reviewed but um this is definitely one of those horror movies that casts a spotlight on a particular problem and says this shit
3: sucks Mm. (laughs) um also i guess that i guess the fact that the entity isn't it it's right there it says what it says it on the tin
2: yeah. and
3: that it um takes the form it takes the form of different humans of different genders but doesn't necessarily act differently when it is appearing as different genders unless and this is maybe a place that i would think in my weird warped ways sort of feminist like I c- the only time that i can think of that is that it does kind of you it uses gender like i think that the entity understands what is fucked up about gender in our society and uses that to terrorize its victims and exploring that i think is a good feminist project because we need to like unearth everything that is fucked up and everything that we are scared of when it comes to sexuality and gender in our society in order to understand it and deconstruct it and like if we're fucking gonna get anything done so if we like need a monster to show that to us then that's uh you know that's a good project of feminist horror i would say but i'm not not gonna i'm not gonna like necessarily like choose this as like curate this as part of like a like feminist horror film festival
2: yeah I, i i agree because um it certainly does try to deconstruct the the mountain of issues around sex especially with women you know and i'm point specifically at the line you know i thought it would be easy be easy for her if she's a girl
3: yeah yeah it's it it knows it knows its tropes and is subverting them and i i appreciate that about it it's just
2: the movie itself in terms of like there's a lot of elements of the movie that are pretty ambiguous which lends itself to horror really well but not very well to messaging you know i i do like that kind of cinema a lot of the time because it's it's kind of nicely interactive that way where you know i'm finding my own meaning in it but you know with without clarity you get the danger of the problematic ambiguity rather than um intriguing
3: ambiguity which is evidenced by him like showing his slip with the sex worker moment in the end which is like a a moment that is both totally unnecessary and actively harmful yeah i don't i'm not gonna say and i i feel pretty qualified to say whether or not like a bad sex work moment like ruins an entire movie um uh because i'm i'm like the first person that's gonna say that (laughs) um so i i wouldn't say that in this case but i'm not gonna like give the movie credit for it's like bad sex work represent not ruining the movie (laughs) yeah
2: that and there's like that scene too the fact that it's there also I mean it is not necessary It's totally not necessary um, I and, don't even
0: know what it says Like what it's yeah. trying to do
1: There's a lot of this movie that I feel like I don't know what i trying to say And it would probably just try to get away with it By going like It's dreamlike
2: <laughs> Yeah Well and that's the the sex worker scene Is definitely where it gets into problematic ambiguity For sure yeah yeah um if not just like problematic unambiguity (laughs) but um, it's
1: hard to come away from that scene with any positive messages or feeling like it's respecting the dignity and humanity of sex workers yeah yeah exactly Um, sure
2: but i feel like the end of the movie is uh not doesn't have any positive message either because you know the the thing that the thing that jay was trying to avoid happened and the thing that paul wanted happened and no matter what it sucked for everybody including us so um <laughs> it, you know and like you know whether whether paul was just considering or actually paid or just the the sex workers were symbolic or whatever
3: you know ever, it was all bad <laughs> um, also if anybody that ever like uses sex workers as symbols in their movie always thinks that they're like being terribly clever um like ooh like sex work has not come up in this movie about sex at all but like what if i just throw it in in the end like, like what about this scenario did you ever think of this and it's like just like take several seats and read a
0: book my man <laughs> <laughs> yeah now uh all that all that said would uh would we then recommend people watch this? Do you think this is a good horror movie for people to check out?
1: I totally would recommend this movie. yeah, I mean look, it's well executed it has it has a singular premise that it executes really well with lots of really well done scares.
0: yeah, it's some of the most intense film. scares in in a movie we've watched so far.
2: Yeah, I would be very, very careful about who I showed it to.
3: Totally. Um It doesn't I guess it doesn't have a lot of gore. Like it doesn't yeah. have a lot
1: of like like viscera.
0: A surprising I like amount of nudity. Um, yeah.
1: I feel like the yeah. most gore is in that very first opening scene with Anne after what yeah.
2: happens
1: to her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is not a but then that yeah. Of, yeah. This, this is not a movie where, you know, where the horror movie you get into for the kills.
1: <laughs> yeah. At all. Well, like, you uh, get in for the chills.
2: You get in <laughs> for the chills. And, you know. It's the, chilling. It is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, think, now, do we have any recommendations for people who uh, do like this movie? And I do. I do have except. a
1: recommendation. And I think for a movie that kind of has that same feeling of that, being chased by something unrelenting unstoppable that you don't understand into that like that feeling of great tension uh i'm gonna recommend the first terminator movie nice
2: oh yeah it can't be bargained with
3: <laughs>
2: can't be reasoned with um tina do you have
3: yes i um have a, a- recommendation of a movie that is about a a mysterious ambiguous entity that has a sick sense of humor about sexuality and society and uses it to terrorize people that i think is very progressive when it comes to sex work representation specifically Uh, and that movie is cam which is written by Issa Mazai who is an out sex worker. It is a Netflix movie, so you can watch it wherever Netflix are streamed and uh, and uh, I I think it's a uh, it's it's just like a fun horror movie, but it as as someone who is again like very sensitive to sex work tropes, it's so refreshing for me to see somebody who like you can tell... That she has experience in the industry and is very deliberate about like um like what the about sort of like the movie's moral center and like where the danger is coming from. And it's always coming from like stigma and horphobia and the cops and like a certain kind of bad client, but not like a stereotypical bad client, and like um the the way that this like entity is like fucking with her livelihood. In, in this very specific way to to being a, a Cam model um is just really well done. Uh and uh I think it's a great movie. And the other thing that I wanted to recommend is a comic that I think also has just like some great creepiness um and body horror, but um uh like really great queer representation and that's the Lolo Woods by carmen maria machado and danny um which came out last year uh one of my favorite horror comics that i've read in a in a long time so yeah and then that that piece monumental horror that i was telling you guys about um which is online
2: that sounds awesome i haven't heard about cam i don't think it's very Uh crushable so
0: yeah It's, it's one that i have had on my netflix queue for upwards of a year now so nice
3: I think you guys would like it. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out.
0: Uh, what about you, Emily? What do you got?
2: Uh, I have a couple kind of sideways things. Um, well, in terms of of horror that it is based in identity, sexuality, and social expectation, um, that has a similar sort of stalking theme, um, I would recommend Perfect Blue that's a movie that is uh you know a lot of warnings around that one in terms of sexual assault and and gore and stuff like that but it is um pretty profound and then there's also uh the the series Paranoia Agent also um by Satoshi Kon uh gets into those themes um there are there's a bunch of episodes with a bunch of different takes with a bunch of different characters um and then uh if you want to see an interesting sort of stylistic contrast um with a movie that's it's has a similar feel to it and is similarly tragic but also um a lot less progressive um i might recommend the virgin suicides um you know it's very male gazy but it's i think it would be an interesting juxtaposition piece to this movie um because with the virgin suicides, you have this whole thing of, of of a male protagonist trying to like figure out the mysteries of women, you know, and I think that that's a that it's a a beautiful film um but I think that watching these two together would be a really, really interesting experiment in seeing how you know how much these stories have evolved um and you know, in terms of the the male gaze and um women's identities and sexualities and in, in movies um not that's necessarily a great horror- one.
3: Hmm? that's a great one also surprisingly brutal at times
2: oh yeah absolutely um you know again warnings for that one it's in the title um but
3: yeah, i uh, guess maybe not that surprising
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, but the um also the soundtrack for that one is fantastic oh, yeah all time
0: yeah uh so as for my recommendations on this one uh, there's a couple different things if you're looking for something that is uh, has the same sort of stylish bent that this one has because it's one of the things i like most about this movie is just sort of how stylish it is how well it's put together um Another movie that came out about the same time uh, is Your Next, um, and that has a very similar feel uh, for me. In a lot of ways, it's a very different type of movie, but um, it's it's equally sort of cool. I feel like um, if you're if you're really aiming for some sort of horror movie that uh, really harps on the uh, the tragedy and uh, difficulty uh, and <laughs> and all the the things that are hard and under the surface in this movie, if you really just want that to be on the top of your movie, uh, you can check out Hereditary, uh, which is just, is a hard watch. Hereditary is a difficult movie to watch. And I do not recommend it for everybody. But if you feel like diving into something that has, um, you know, all the themes that we've been postulating might be here are just sort of like sitting right on the surface of Hereditary um that's that's one to watch um if you're also if what you're looking for is the sort of uncertainty and paranoia and ambiguity and difficulty of of some of the stuff in this movie uh i i would also recommend the movie that uh people joke is a sequel to this movie which is it comes at night um completely unrelated to it follows but it's sort of a semi post-apocalyptic paranoia horror movie about something that may or may not be there and is you know making these these people's lives horrible in this sort of you know plague breakout future um so it's it's a lot of like not trusting people and not knowing for sure what's going on and uh will not will not leave you feeling any better than you might have felt at the end of this movie that's for sure (laughs) Um, well that's it for the recommendations Uh, let's let everybody know where they can find us online if they want to check out our work Uh, let's uh, start with Tina on that
3: yeah well first of all I've had such a great time thank you so much for having me and if thank you so much for coming on this has been so much fun Uh, oh thank you awesome Um, if uh, if people want to find out more about my work they can check out tinahorn.net that's t-i-n-a-h-o-r-n you can follow me on twitter at it blah, blah, blah. you can follow me on twitter and instagram at tina horns ass again that's t-i-n-a-h-o-r-n-s-a-s-s and if you are interested in safe sex my comic book you can get volume one protection wherever fine comic books are sold and if you are interested in the kickstarter uh i suppose you want to one way to do it is to follow all my socials that i've mentioned or sign up for the mailing list on my website or just go to kickstarter and search for tina horn or search for sfsx terms of service and that's going to be happening from march 15th to april 15th 2021 and i think that oh and i have a podcast too it's called why are people into that it's about sex kink gender and love and it's much like this a conversation show with guests um and uh yeah we talk about incest and high heels and um uh curses uh <laughs> 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 why are people into curses but no sometimes it does veer into like horror territory like we have an episode about we have an episode about vampires we have an episode about cannibalism we have an episode about catholicism which what could be
1: scarier than that and like hey, we're we're you know, into gay
0: cannibals uh, uh, you, here hey you, you don't gotta tell my it.
1: you don't gotta warn my jewish ass twice about the horrors of catholicism <laughs> oh
3: yeah <laughs> we, we, we have a, an episode on fascism you know it gets it's you know it it goes to all the dark places that i like to go when it comes to sex which is why i liked this movie so anyway <laughs> thanks so much for having me
0: yeah well, it's our pleasure awesome. and uh emily can you let people know where they can find uh you online
3: well i'm on
2: twitter at megamoth m-e-g-a-m-o-t-h also patreon patreon.com slash megamoth uh tumblr as well if you just want to tumble with me <laughs> um and uh i have an instagram which is mega underscore moth which is like the first one but with an underscore in the middle and megamoth.net has my um outdated uh online portfolio but the stuff on there is good so you know i'm not i'm not ashamed Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway uh but i also have princeless we're working on Princeless volume 10 and uh if you want to catch up with princeless if you want more princeless in your life um it's on comiXology and wherever fine books are sold uh I recommend bookshop.org for that particular um endeavor hell yeah shout out to bookshop.org bookshop um or you know send a little message to your local bookstore and they'll probably be able to order especially those comic book stores out there if they're still there they need you um and yeah that's
0: that's where you'll find my stuff awesome and uh, ben what about your stuff
1: uh you can find me online at, at ben the Con on twitter uh you can find links to download or purchase physical copies of my past works at benconcomics.com and make sure to pre-order renegade rule a queer esports action comedy from dark horse comics coming out this may
0: awesome and uh, all my stuff, I am on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58, it's J-R-O-M-E-5-8, I am at jeremywhitley.com and uh, you can pre-order the second book of School for Extraterrestrial Girls now, the first book is available, again, anywhere books are sold, as well as all the Princeless, Raven the Pirate Princess books, uh, My Little Pony, Unstoppable Wasp, any of the many, many many things i've written uh you know you can look it all up on uh bookshop.org and, and uh anywhere else it's all in comixology as well comic wise um as for the podcast uh, progressively horrified is on patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified it's on twitter at prog horror pod and the website is progressively horrified dot transistor dot fm Please be sure if you enjoy the podcast, if this is your first time listening or you listen to all of them, please go subscribe, rate it and review it. We could use all the stars you can get. So just pull them down and give them to us. Uh, I, yes, <laughs> Emily, thank you for pulling down all the stars. And again, thank you so much for Tina for joining us today. Thank
3: you Thanks very much. again for having me
0: yeah it's our pleasure awesome and if you are listening to this when it comes out the kickstarter for safe sex volume two should be live right now uh so go go pledge to that if uh you're listening to it later uh go look it up anyway it's probably available for you to go by right now um and uh again ben and emily thank you so much for joining me today as well of course always love you guys are too my heart is too low there we go um all right and thanks to all of you guys out there for listening we love doing this podcast for you thanks for thanks for coming here and uh, listening to us talk for three hours about, about scary movies and we will see you all next week Aggressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, Jeremy Whitley, and Tina Horn. All opinions expressed the, by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter by, at proghorrorpod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.